Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be my video about the Hunter Revenant subclass info that we got from Bungie with respect to Destiny 2 Beyond Light. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, you can always watch me live on YouTube by going to saynotorage.com. That'll bring it to the channel. And we're going to try something different with some of these videos now. We're going to upload the 10-minute video, and I'll try to use timestamps for the Q&A and the VIP call-ins so we're not overwhelming the channel with content just to see if we can't kind of fix some of the things. I feel like I've been putting up too much content, so you might have to click links below for timestamps for the Q&A and the VIP call-in sessions, if that makes sense. That'll be a new standard on the channel, I think. So, so you can see here the Hunter Revenant info dropped. Uh, I'm going to read through, you know, we're going to take a look at it. We're going to read through the image, the things they're talking about with the melee and the super. Uh, we're going to talk about why I'm more excited. Uh, both the Titan and the Hunter, I was kind of like, eh, about. But then the more information we got, the more excited I got. And then we're going to end by talking about grenades. We finally got some pretty good information about the three grenade types and how that's going to work. So right here, you can see in the image, they talk about, you know, it's silence and squall is the super. You channel stasis and you throw two blades and they unleash a two-pronged attack. So the first impact is called Deadly Edge and... The blade shatters and it sends out a wave of stasis energy and it freezes any enemies in the surrounding area. The second blade hits and creates a violent stasis storm that hones in on nearby enemies, slowing, damaging, and eventually freezing them. So we kind of saw those tornado, like whirlwind tornado things. I don't know if they're going to let you throw one and then wait and throw the other. All of the footage, it looks like the blade barrage is just like a throw throw. It'd be pretty cool if you could throw one to freeze this group and then throw the other one over here to create the stasis storm and get more of a uh, you know get get more effect from it. It, it seems like it's going to be a a one a, a one off uh, super. And then withering blade is described below. You throw a uh, shuriken into the fray and it ricochets off multiple enemies and surfaces, slowing and damaging them in the process. So then, if we want to go down here uh, to the actual details, now right here they talked about how they they try to come up with sort of like a a theme or you know a mythology for the subclass and it was really easy with the warlock they came up with ice wizard and everything kind of got filtered through that sort of title as it were and for the the revenant subclass for the hunter they wanted it to feel like a ninja and a lot of the things that they're going to outline are in that and they say here early on we knew the hunter would embody the idea of slowing battle around them with their stasis powers and it starts with withering blade uh, they throw two deadly stasis uh, shurikens into the fight, and it ricochets off surfaces, and if you land two on the same target, it, they'll be instantly frozen. Now, we already knew this from the PvP footage that got everybody kind of concerned, because he hit the first, and it and it, oh, it, it got him out of his super, and then the second one froze him solid. Uh, again, we don't know how easy that's going to be to pull off. We don't know if the oppression that came from the first one, that could possibly be an aspect uh, or a fra- it'd be an aspect, I think. I think the fragments are down below. I can never keep it straight. Anyway, it might be an aspect or a fragment that gives you that oppressive ability. We don't honestly know. Maybe it's always doing that. We'll have to wait and kind of see. Uh, when fully charged with ability energy, they can unleash the deadly super, silence, and squall. Each of the blades are named after what they do. That's why it's called silence and squall. And then it says, you know, the first one freezes we knew that and then the second one embeds into a surface and then it detonates creating that storm and so again I think this super would be better 
if you have a window of time to throw one blade here and another blade over there, make it a short window. Obviously, this doesn't sound like a roaming super. That might be a little bit busted in Crucible anyway, to throw it at one group and freeze them and throw the other one over here as like suppression and, you know, keeping people back. It might be a little too strong, but... You know, if it's just a one-off, that's cool too. If you get kind of good with it, you could time it to where if there's a big group, you could throw one over here, turn your guy, and the other one hits on the other side. That could be kind of fun. I remember getting good with Blade Barrage and taking out like an entire group of people and that being really, really uh, satisfying. So as you scroll down, you got great pictures and all that and blah, blah, blah. And you come down here and this is when I got more excited. Uh, the Shatter Dive is an interesting and exciting development. Uh, it's an aspect here, uh, and it gives you a mid-air Shatter Slam thing. Uh, you shatter nearby targets on impact. Now, if it's only meant for shattering, I don't think this is going to be like broken, busted. You know, in, it, it doesn't sound like it's going to be particularly strong. It's just meant to shatter frozen enemies. But again... I'm excited to see more of this mobility, more of this acrobatics. We saw that with the Titan when the Titan's in his super. He can slide, jump, and go way high and slam again. I want to see that in action. Uh, I think we kind of see that in action maybe in the one trailer. It's hard to know if he's in his super or using his one melee that launches him. Uh, This makes the Hunter even more mobility and acrobatically driven. I know people are concerned about Crucible. We're going to do a separate video about that given that this literally is a de- quick descent to shatter. I don't see this as being something that's like busted. Now again, the quick mobility and crucible being able to go up and drop down really fast could end up being very very useful in the crucible, but I don't think it's going to be like broken with respect to damage output since it does seem focused on shattering. I am actually, after seeing this, curious if there are other new abilities for the Titan and the Warlock that we haven't been shown yet. The Warlock one affected the existing rift, and the Titan one was was nothing. I don't think it, I don't think it was was even an ability. I'm trying to remember what the Titan one was, but I wonder if they're going to do more of this. If the other people can get something similar to Shatter Dive, or if they're going to get other abilities we haven't seen yet that would would land in the form of an aspect. The other thing to think about here is they could add things like this seasonally to the other subclasses if they get this treatment, which I think we're all hoping they will, and then you could give a new ability to Code of the Missile, uh, a new ability to Way of a Thousand Cuts, something that we've never done before, because you've never done a Shatter Dive on a Hunter, so yes, you're going to have your dodge and your jumps, which this guy, now when he dodges in stasis, will freeze nearby enemies. I think that'll be really fun, especially uh, with Worm Husk. So, you know, it, it, it remains to be seen if they're going to do this with the other classes, and then the Fragment, if you go down here to the Fragment, I actually am really excited about this Fragment. This Fragment says... You get bonus weapon damage after you freeze a target with stasis. And if you remember the Warlock fragment, it said that you get super energy from destroying frozen enemies with your gun. And remember, fragments are not tied to the class. So you could conceivably run this Whisper one here that you get the bonus damage after bonus weapon damage, keep in mind. You get bonus weapon damage after freezing targets and then you could use the other one where when you destroy frozen targets with a weapon, you get increased super energy. It could create really, really dope super uptime. It could be a really, really fun build. And that would give you 
uh, the ability to feel like you're crafting a particular build is that going to be useful in the end game that will remain to be seen because essentially what you would be doing is you would be using the hunter's super to throw those axes get the freeze the freeze now gives you bonus weapon damage you use your weapons to shoot everyone and destroy them and then the other fragment is feeding your super uptime energy to do it again it could be very very useful it just depends on how quickly you can dispatch of the frozen enemies at the higher levels of content to be a useful super uptime build lastly let's talk about grenades this was sort of new information some people are reading this as if you won't get uh you won't get the ability to use all three grenades i'm just going to read this to you and this is how i'm interpreting it they say apart from intrinsic stasis abilities that will be a part of each subclass all guardian classes using stasis will have their choice of a variety of stasis grenades to use in combat so i'm reading this as a homogenization of the grenades all three grenades are available to everybody and there's the glacier grenade cold snap and the dusk field grenade and i think we've seen the icons for all of these i think that this one here is the is the is the the cold snap where it goes along the ground and it can freeze up to three enemies and then glacier is the one that creates the walls and then dust field creates the stasis field and we've already seen the stasis field icon when we looked at the warlock so I'm hoping we're reading this correctly. I like the idea of everybody having the same grenades. I don't know what this would do to the other subclasses if they decide to do this, if they think it's a good move, if they think, you know, homogenizing grenades creates an easier, you know, realm for them to balance. You know, will it will it simplify grenade balance to keep things in order? Uh, the other thing to consider is maybe we all get all these three grenades and we can all use them, but when you scroll up here and you use an aspect, there could be aspects specific to Warlock Titan and Hunter that allow them to modify these grenades and make them more unique to their playstyle as one's supposed to be a ninja, one's supposed to be Mr. Punchy Punch, and then you got the wizard with the warlock. Maybe there's abilities with aspects to change those grenades to make them feel more in line with the identity of the new stasis uh, subclasses. That, you know, that remains to be seen. As we got Shatter Dive, there could be some other significant things coming with aspects. So, as always, we're going to transition to Q&A and VIP, and there will be links below if you want to watch those videos. We're going to do it in a different way, I think, going forward to clean up the amount of content I'm putting on the YouTube. You'll be able to go watch it in the VOD as opposed to a separate video. So, as always, if you're listening or watching this on uh, any of the other platforms, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be my Q&A session uh, that followed my talk about the Hunter Revenant subclass info that we got from Bungie. If you're listening to this on Spotify, Google Play, or iTunes, you can always catch me live at saynotorage.com. That'll bring you to the YouTube. You can hit subscribe and the bell button. That's totally free and it helps support me. If you'd rather uh, join and get membership benefits in the Discord or Q&A, you can click the join button and pick from the tiers that are there. Uh, so Darksider with the first question. With all the classes shown, it feels disappointing instead of unique customizations with stasis, we get the same as the old ones, two class ability, three jumps, three nades, and all customization is locked behind RNG. Well, we don't know that yet. Do you think the main part of stasis, uh, the customization, should be locked behind drops? Well, first and foremost, we don't know how that works yet. Yes, it says drops in the world, but we don't know how that works. 
it could be that there are locations that drop a particular one and you go farm it until you get it maybe there's an adventure maybe there's a lost sector maybe there's a public event maybe there's a seasonal event who knows uh maybe it drops from a particular boss and you gotta wait for the boss to rotate which obviously if you miss that week you wouldn't get it but i would wait to come to this conclusion until we actually see how they're delivered i because let's imagine it is rng based well then i i think i can sympathize with what you're saying if you really 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 want shatter dive and you can't get shatter dive to drop it's gonna be irritating how many weeks is it gonna take how many days you know etc most of the time in 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 games like this with subclasses and things you can do to the classes and the abilities is as long as you're playing you're unlocking more skilled bubbles you're unlocking more options in the tree and people tend to like that because that's just kind of a fair thing um linked to the factions i i don't know i don't know about that um the fragments are drops yes the fragments i believe and the aspects are things that drop in the world and then you can then then it's yours um, so I, I could see that being problematic, you know, and to the, to the, to the front side of the question saying it's disappointing instead of unique customizations with stasis, we get the same as the old ones, two class ability, three jumps, three nades, all customizations locked behind or whatever. Well, first and foremost, the melees are completely different. The grenades are completely different and there's new abilities or augmentations to abilities coming. At the very least, we know Shatter Dive is a brand new ability that's coming, which is obviously related to the second part of your question, which if it's locked behind RNG and I can't get the drops, that's going to be really, really frustrating. So to the front half of your question, I say, I think we've seen enough to be interested. I didn't think they were going to suddenly make a subclass that 100% just overshadowed everything else in the game, even though I'm already looking at this and thinking that it will, in some respects, feel like it's overshadowing the other subclasses. So I I actually think there is a lot of good stuff here. To the second part of your question, we'll have to, in, in my estimation, we'll have to reserve judgment. It's, it would seem to me to be uncharacteristic of Bungie to release new abilities, new, new subclass, new customization, and not let you have it be linearly accessible, if that makes sense. Linearly accessible, meaning as long as you're playing and putting in the time, you're slowly getting all of the things. We even theorized that was why the Titan only had one grenade. He hadn't unlocked the other ones yet and aspects and fragments may be very similar as long as you're playing it's a punch out system and they're dropping at a decent interval and you're slowly getting all of them if the opposite ends up being true and you get a month into beyond light and you haven't yet gotten an aspect or a fragment that you want i i I will resonate with your criticism and probably voice that criticism and say this is not what we were looking for like you can't you don't want to have customization held at arm's length like that um so I'm going to I'm going to hold off before I co-sign on this criticism because it hasn't landed in the game yet. We don't quite know how the drops are going to work. Uh Darksider with another question. Do you feel like that the reveals were more about the aspects and the fragments instead of the classes? Besides the aspect, everything was already known by the trailers. Well, yes and no. We didn't know that the Titan could launch and slam. Uh we didn't know that the Hunter had each we didn't know that each axe did something different uh we didn't know the philosophy behind what they were going for i mean it was a little bit obvious with the staff and the titan punching everything but 
I actually feel that the aspects and fragments were more of a 50%. I don't feel like they were, it was, it was more about them, but I feel like they are 50% of the package. You know, here's the, here's the subclass. Okay. What, what, what does it come with? Here's your super and your melee. Oh, that's dope. And here's, here's how customization works. It's like 50, 50. And then, you know, the hunter revenant got a little extra, a little extra oomph because they're like, oh, here's how the grenades are going to work. Cause up to now we didn't know, we weren't really sure are the grenades class specific. So we got that information as well. So I don't feel like the, the aspects and fragments have like overshadowed it or, or they, you know, that's, we've heard more about that. Um, I do think we had a general gist of the supers and the melee abilities before because of the trailers. So maybe when you read through it, you were kind of like, yeah, yeah, I, I know this. I know this. So it was less interesting to you. So it felt more like a vacancy. So then you sort of disproportionately are thinking that like, well, it was all about aspects and fragments. Um, so I, I know I, I can, I, I guess I can relate to that in that aspect of like, yeah, we did kind of already know stuff. I, for me though, the trailers, I was not excited about Titan and Hunter and then the reveals piqued my interest. I was like, ooh, like this stuff sounds kind of good. And so for me, I had a different experience than you. I thought the trailers made everything look kind of like, yeah, that, that, that's stuff that we've done before. And then obviously the Warlock one looked new. And so they started with the Warlock. And then for me personally, I, you know, I feel that I am, uh, I am, I'm more interested now in playing Hunter and Titan than I originally was. So, RNG is okay, but everything uh, is RNG feels lazy. Um, yes, Sven, I heard about the Xbox pricing. Yeah, I mean, I hear, I hear that, Teddy. Like, you know, if everything is RNG and we're always chasing elusive items, I think that can get exhausting. You know, I don't even want to say that it's lazy. I mean, I've kind of went on this rant with respect to Rogue, Rogue Games. I, I'm tired of them. It's like every time I see a dope dungeon crawler or side scroller, I'm like, yo, those graphics, oh, that looks awesome. And they're like, yeah, it's a rogue. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, I. <laughs> so you built containers and weapons and combinations of builds, and then that's all the game is. The game is literally just that. You just, you, you, you die and you start over, you die and you start over. So I feel in a similar way, you know, like what you're saying, you just, just put a bird on it, you know, put RNG on it, I think can get uh, um, a little bit um, a little bit overused. I mean, you're saying, you know, you're saying lazy, I would say maybe overused. And then that gives this semblance of, well, the entire, the entire game is basically you wrestling with RNG instead of chasing and pursuing loot it's this big bear that you're trying to wrestle to the ground and the bear is a random number generator that determines what you get and what you don't get um so I actually don't have a problem with it being if it's driven by drops if the customization is driven by drops I don't actually have a problem with that as long as you don't have a mind bender situation where the opportunity to get it is either too slim or it's on a time limit and the drop rate's too low, so it takes you a month and a half to get Shatter Dive, I would argue that that's a problem. Um, Cameron Manning with the next question. 
I understand you your want for the new subclasses to be effective in the end game. Do you think the stasis subclass is the way uh, the way it is due to beyond light end game content? And do you think it's hard for Bungie to tailor subclasses to our wants and needs due to the amount of subclasses we already have? So I'll, I'll take the front half of the question first. They touched on that at the end here. They said that these subclasses are not about brute force and damage. They're about slowing and controlling. And obviously, that could mean that slow, you know, slowing and controlling the battlefield is going to be a pain point in the end game in Beyond Light and and for the you know and for the duration of more content coming in year four. That could be something that they really try and press. That well, we we really need to create pain points that a well of radiance, a bubble, and a tether aren't the answer to. They can be the answer, but so can stasis, I think would be the idea. Uh, I mean, even as we even as we theorize about a potential build from what we see right here, you use this whisper of, of, uh, of hedrons or hedrons, however you're supposed to say it. You use that to get the to get you know way way more damage if you're uh if you've just frozen some enemies and then there's the other one that we saw in the warlock where if you're shooting enemies that are frozen with a gun you get increased super energy you know super energy um that could be a really really good super uptime build where you're constantly freezing and then your gun's stronger and then you're shooting everything and then you're getting the increased you know you're getting the increased uh thanks mama you get the increased damage so your gun's more effective and then killing enemies that are frozen with your gun is good for super uptime um it's always kind of fun when i don't want to go back to the days of the skull of the dire ahamkara where i could literally take out an entire group and as long as there was a major a major in the bunch i was good i got my super back there was something cool about that i was like this i was like this army of one you know, I was a one-man army. You go back to you know Modern Warfare Two. I was like a I was like a one-man army, and then that felt cool. So I think there's there's places where that could maybe happen with some of the builds we're seeing as, as a possibility for for you know the the uptime of your super and freezing and managing a, a section. And maybe that's something that Bungie tries to do. If they've got another dungeon on the way, we know they got a raid. If the raid really splits you up and you're by yourself you may really think that, you know, Revenant is super helpful at staying alive because I, my, my, I'm freezing, I got great uptime, I got great ad management. Um, these are all things that, you know, could potentially be the, the result of these subclasses. It just really depends. I think one of the concerns right now is Bungie hasn't done a great job increasing pain. You know, they've, they've, they don't do a good job increasing pain. It's they here's 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 what I read from them. Stasis is not about, you know, brute force and damage. And I'm like, oh, okay. That sounds great. But that's all your end game is, Bungie. All all that all the end game is, especially especially when you go into Grandmaster Nightfalls, it's just brute force and damage. A br- you know, it's everything is st- stupidly strong. So that's kind of my pushback. Is like that's great, that's great. If you're not going to create subclasses that are all about brute force and damage, they don't create an end game that asks for that. If you create an end game that asks for that, then this subclass goes nowhere after you leave the strike playlist. You're going to be like, nah, it's not good. I don't want to take it into a nightfall or a dungeon or a raid. It doesn't have legs there. That's that's the true question. 
And how do they do that without creating more Reckoning content? We don't want more Reckoning. Reckoning was built for endless supers. It was built for endless, you know, Well of Radiance and endless Slova and endless Tether. And so it ended up not being very good content. So if raids and dungeons start to get built around stasis, that could be problematic long term because I think you would just end up feeling like well, this. The, I'm sick of this. This is, is it, it, this is the only option. This is what you have to run in here. I think it's challenging to do that. MG Avenger. Now that we have gotten the reveals for Stasis and the customization, do you think that they will keep this moment and keep announcing stuff for Beyond Light, or do you think that we will have a few weeks coming up of a dry period? Um, I I don't. I think you might keep this momentum and keep announcing stuff. I don't think we're going to get a whole lot of substance until we get closer to October. I think they're going to try to use October as a marketing month, where each week something new happens. Um, I feel like September is going to stay dry because somebody's like, what do you think they're going to talk about in the TWAB this week? I'm like, I have no idea. You know what they'll probably do? They'll recap all three stasis supers, have links to their blogs, and that'll probably be it. And maybe they'll revisit the update with the glows and you know, re- revisit some other things they've updated and then that'll be it. I, that's all this TWAB this week will probably be. Um, so, uh, I, I, I expect it to be dry in September because if you think about it, they were going to launch in September, which means we would have been getting a bunch of marketing leading up to September. Okay. And that means that the marketing probably would have been landing in, I'm assuming just August the month before. So that means October is your target, your target month for marketing push. Uh, you know. I feel like the raid won't force people to use stasis, but it will heavily encourage it. Yeah, you know, we'll have to see. We'll have to see, Skip. I hope I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I hope it's sort of a you don't have to, but it's it's clear that it's 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 the ideal build. I, I think that that's fine. I think having encounters where certain builds are ideal, I think that's actually unavoidable. So I think the goal would be to make sure your encounters in the raid are varied enough. They're varied enough so that it it doesn't get stuck in a just run this the entire time you that that's always i think the dilemma with endgame meta is that it becomes a rut where you're like every encounter i I, it's it's a one-size-fits-all loadout i use this for everything uh and then that's when it gets kind of boring so i could see stasis being heavily encouraged in the raid but i wouldn't think they would do that in every encounter you know that would be, I think, maybe a bit much. It'd be almost that would that would feel maybe heavy-handed, you know. Until Bungie's endgame is no longer a meat grinder, well, bubble and tether uh, will remain king due to their damage buffing and survivability. That's why I said if they're gonna say at the bottom of this blog post that stasis is more about slow and control and not about brute force and damage, I'm like, okay. That makes me kind of hopeful that maybe you guys are going to start to change the end game pain points to not be purely brute force and damage. So, 
If you guys are enjoying this content, if you're new, uh, we've had new people coming in and out all day today. This is what we do Monday through Friday. It's kind of like an interactive podcast. Uh, It's safe for work. You don't have to worry about the kind of language I'm going to use. You can click subscribe and the bell button. Right now, I am taking questions from the audience. If they're a tier one member or higher, they can submit questions and they show up on this screen. Uh, Also, we're 17 likes away from 500. So if you smash that like button, we always love to see the like count roll over. Uh, We can roll over to 500. And uh, subscribing is totally free. Uh, It's free to click subscribe and the bell button. Uh, If you want to pay to get perks, benefits, emotes, and stuff, you can click the join button. We've had a lot of new members today already. And you can get in the Discord to take advantage of Q&A, early access to Q&A, watch parties. Uh, you know, VIP fight night is something that we're, we're, we're going to try to bring back in a new way. That's on Friday nights. So, um, but yeah, to circle back and to, and to end this question, September is probably going to continue to feel pretty dry. This week's TWAB is probably just going to be a revisit of the information that we already have a restating it, you know, Necro, which subclass and super is your favorite so far? I'm going to have to go with the Hunter. I'm surprised I'm saying this because I originally thought, oh, it just looks like a Blade Barrage. It doesn't look like that. that that's interesting. But the fact that it does two different things and will pair really well with some of the other builds, part of me wonders if if the Hunter will be the more popular subclass because your super is one and done, and then you can get back to Shattering. Uh, and you got, and if you've got builds and benefits, if you've got fragments and aspects that are fueling uh, a shatter build, you know, a free shatter, free shatter, kind of pivoting between the two, the hunter might be in a better position to do that because both the warlock and the titan supers are roaming, which might make it a little bit harder for you to lean into a free shatter, get benefits from those shatter. You know, that that's that's kind of what I'm thinking is if. If there's a clear transaction of power in the game where you freeze and then the shattering comes with a bunch of benefits of either power or super energy or whatever, then I'm wondering if people are going to shy away from Titan Warlock in PvE because they're like, well, I'm, I'm in the super too long. Roaming takes me out of the fight. You know, if the Titan slammed the ground and it sent out the, the, the spikes and the waves and, and, and some clouds and froze a bunch of stuff and then he was back to the action of shooting... You know, it might feel a little bit more like the Revenant, where it's a one-off to get really effective freeze on a crowd, and then you're 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 wanting to shatter because of the benefits that could come from shatter. So we'll have to wait and see. I, I think the, the the Warlock and the Titan obviously have some very cool things they can do, but I feel like the Hunter is is going to be where where folks gravitate to in PVE because ro- I I honestly think we we in PVE especially I'm very and I, maybe you guys are like this. I am very averse to um, roaming supers. I don't like them. I don't like roaming supers. Number one, because they're weak, and uh, number two, I just I, I feel like I'm in them for too long. And when I come back out, I don't I don't sense the benefit. A nice quick super, a nice quick tether, you know, a nice quick black back when you know blade barrage was was the hotness. You know, a, a nice quick blade barrage with shards was just it just felt good. Um, I don't want to be running around on a super for forever. I don't know. Roaming supers, if they were suddenly stronger, would I think differently? Uh, that's possible. You know, I might, I might think differently. I might be like, yeah, you know, these aren't, uh, these aren't too bad if, because if they're actually strong and I feel more like a wrecking ball instead of somebody throwing nerf footballs at everybody, you know, you don't like roaming supers. Fist of Havoc would like to speak with you. It just never feels that particularly strong. I don't know. I, I always just feel like it just, uh, I like Code of the Missile 
more than Fist of Havoc. I just do. Because it's a one-off. Boom. And then it feels like there's a big payoff. You know? Iracor says, Do you think with a different style of gameplay with the new subclasses, the raids and other endgame content atmosphere will shift and be more focused on team compatibility? Yeah, we kind of get this question periodically when this comes up. Is like, does Bungie need to create endgame content that really promotes you playing together and doing what folks were calling combos? So if you remember in Anthem, uh, we need two more likes for 500. Come on, chat. If you remember playing Anthem, the combo system was good, but it also had some pitfalls. If you were a Colossus and you didn't have a storm nearby doing all the primers for you and you were trying to do your detonators, it could be a little frustrating. Um, you know, it could be a little frustrating. Bungie posted an article. The bottom has info on Stasis and Xbox Game Pass. Um, okay. Is it... Bra- they just did it? Uh, let's see. Um... Zero, I see almost seven. Oh, is this like their birthday? Oh, they're celebrating their birthday. Destiny birthday cake. They got ingredients to make it. Okay. This is kind of adorable. All right. Happy birthday. They're giving you a nice HD wallpaper. Um, new collectibles to buy starting on september 22nd both forsaken and Shadowkeep are coming to xbox game pass that makes this perfect time to binge the story before it's time to get your passport stamped and head off to europa and then they have all of the the stasis deep dives yeah there you go not nothing really of substance in there but check it out the wallpaper is pretty cool um so as far as team compatibility this is difficult because it's kind of like what we were just talking about if they create content where you feel you must run stasis that's unenjoyable that that was one of the reasons that you know reckoning just didn't land very well as content right and in a similar vein if you create content where i have to do this compatibility thing where you do this and i do that I think it can be fun as long as it's incentivized and not sort of like you must do it. You know what? We were, we were trying to get the sleeper catalyst and thankfully I got it on my second try doing the first encounter inspire. And I went in there with two auto rifles and I'm like, this freaking sucks. You make me run double primary. That was just annoying. Any, anything beefy came out. I had to use my heavy on him. You know, I, I didn't have a secondary weapon. I was just annoyed. And so there's a fine line. There's like this fine tipping point where it's like, hey, if you go into this content and you're all working together and you're 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 working on your 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 synergize as a team, you know, there'll be benefits. There'll be, you know, damage benefits or perks or whatever that proc. And that's good. If it's incentivized and you can sense it, you can try it, you can do it if you want. But if you make it to where you feel like you have to, that's when people jump off the train and they're like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. If I have to go into the encounter and I have to run a a freezing revenant build so the titan that I'm paired up with can do a shattering, you know, behemoth build, I don't want to do that. Don't don't tell me how to play, right? So there's a fine line between it feeling like they're passively telling you how to play or incentivizing you to try out a different loadout or play a certain way cuz you see the clear benefit from it, right? You're lucky you've you've got the streamer luck second run. 
What do you mean second run? I ran a bunch of Spire after they put that in there. I just got sick of it. Uh, so, and listen, I say that, and that's like a 30,000 feet summary. I, I, I don't know how you achieve this. Don't champions accomplish this? I feel like the guillotine is just ruining ruining champions. I mean, I, I, not in the end game, right? You go into a grandmaster, that's probably not true. But everywhere else the champions show up, everyone's just guillotining them. Like, just slam, 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 bye. You get a god roll guillotine and champions are a non-issue. They're just, they're, they're just another major, basically. Um, I do think champions were meant to accomplish that, though. You go into an encounter and you're like, okay, you're going to run anti-barrier, I'm going to run overload. Uh, so... Microsoft won't sell the, the, the most consoles, but Xbox Game Pass is literally only getting better. Did you see, Wheezy, that you're going to be able to buy the Series S uh, for 25 bucks a month or 35 bucks a month for the Series X, and it comes with Ultimate Game Pass? So you're basically just paying a subscription fee, slowly paying off your console, and getting a next-gen console and the Ultimate Game Pass. And that comes with EA Play. I, <laughs> $35 a month, and... You get <laughs> you get a next gen console, you get ultimate game pass and EA play. So for you know almost half the cost of a brand new game every month, you're getting a ridiculous value. Uh, so is that really a problem in PVE? I don't know anyone that doesn't enjoy melting a champion. Well now hang on though, hang on, Sven, hang on. I'm not saying it's a problem, but if you want champions as a pain point to create build diversity and team complementarianism, it's not happening because everyone's just burning them down. Do you see the point that I was making? I'm not saying that's a problem. I'm saying if champions are meant to make you really think about your build and compliment your, you know, your, your buddies and you do this and I do that, well, nobody's doing that because they're just running through them. Now, you might do that. You might do that in a Grandmaster. And I don't know if that ends up being a thing in raids. But... Heart of Quartz, are you here? Did I thank you for the $2 tip? Uploads are nice. I run out of data and I can download. I don't know if I thanked you for that $2 tip. I hope you're still here, Heart of Quartz. I don't remember saying that. Sony was supposed to announce today, but because of the leaks yesterday, Microsoft pulled the trigger first. It's now on Sony's court to undercut Microsoft and prove value. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I don't know. Microsoft's Microsoft's making moves. I kept telling you guys they were a sleeping giant, and I, I think we're starting to see a glimmer of how that could how this could go their way. Uh, I think Sony's going to be a force in the market because they sell better in in, a, in one of the larger markets. They sell better in the Asian market, but I don't know. It, it, Microsoft's making moves, dude. Uh, Flynn says, having now seen all three subclasses, are there any that you're disappointed with? Actually, no. I'm in a better place now. I, I was thinking Warlock's the only one that w- looks unique. These other two look kind of boring, but after the details have come out, I am not actually disappointed at all. Um, and I'm the most intrigued by build potential with being able to do things like the one I outlined where I'm going to freeze the guys, my gun's going to be stronger, and if I destroy them with my gun, if I shatter them with my gun, I get more super energy. I think Hunter's going to be really fun for that build. So. Yeah, and I'm interested on how that dialogue goes. The Series S, the digital weaker version of the Xbox, has a stronger CPU than the PS5. Like, I don't know. I'm really curious to see how this dialogue goes with the marketing. Because 
every console can have a bottleneck so the cpu could be stronger but then the graphics card or the memory or you know a handful of other things could be a bottleneck that gives ps5 an edge you know what i mean yeah because the ps5 has a better ssd so that could lead to different benefits in games and in in, in the size of game worlds and texture loading and stuff like that i don't know i don't i'm a layman i'm a layman but i know there could still be a bottleneck in the xboxes that gets you know gets the ps5 back on the field of of hey this has got some strength too you know Uh, finding chemo. The Hunter Stasis Super is looking like a one and done while the Warlock and the Titans are roaming. Do you think Bungie made it this way to keep Hunters a little more balanced for their Stasis subclass? I don't know if it's driven by balance or if it's just driven by that was, that they felt like that was the best way to deliver the, the slowing effect. So the Warlock is freezing and detonating and the Titan is, is creating barriers and punching. Well, you have to move around for that to be a thing, right? If I'm going to be freezing and shattering with a staff or slamming the ground, creating some walls and then running around and punching, well, I have to move around for that. If the hunter is trying to slow and and freeze and that's all he's trying to do, it wouldn't make sense to roam to do that. It would be almost like freeze tag, right? Woo, woo, woo. Going around tagging people and then being like, okay, now that I'm done running around playing freeze tag, I can start to try to shatter. Like, it makes more sense to be like, boom, I froze a group of people. Now I'm going to try and shatter with my weapons. If it would have been freeze a group of people and then run around and stab them or hit them to shatter them, that would have been too close to the Titan. The Titan is, wham, freeze a big group, and then he runs around and just starts punching people. Um, So I think they're trying to create some distinctive feels there uh, by not having the, you know, it is a little weird, though, if you think about it, like a hunter is a ninja... I guess it's like ninja more about traps than it is about like sneaking around and, and like you know backstabbing. It's more about laying traps. He's throwing stuff down. Everything gets slowed, and then he's like, "Haha, gotcha!" Bam, 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 bam. Like that's that's the goal they went. Through. It's more of a it's more of a ninja laying traps than a ninja sneaking in the shadows. If that makes sense. So. Sony also porting more first parties to PC. This gen will be just like last gen. You can play pretty much anything anywhere. Just play where your friends are. Yeah, Sony looking to put more, you know, uh, first parties on PC. I don't know. I feel like that's going to hurt. That, that could hurt them and not help them. They're going to make money on the game. Sure, if you let me buy it. If you let me buy Spider-Man on PC, I'm freaking thrilled. Um, have you experienced PS4 ports? to PC? Well, it depends because now if they know they're going to do it like they did with the Kojima game, Death Stranding was great. Horizon Zero Dawn's been eh, but it's gotten better. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe they, they need some more wins in their corner. If Horizon Zero Dawn would have been a stronger port, the argument would be a little bit easier to make. Right now it's kind of like, I don't know, Death Stranding was a great port, but they kind of knew they were going to do it and then Horizon Zero Dawn's been kind of a train wreck. Um, like literal crashes. Like, what is this? Two thousand and five. Like, what? What? The game won't even load. Like, where am I? Um. So, PS Five is gonna sell like hotcakes because of brand loyalty. Brand loyalty is huge, and when you have such a huge saturation in the market, people are just automatically gonna upgrade. 
I have a Sony, I'm going to upgrade Sony. So because Sony won the console war, PS4 versus Xbox One, they already have a significant advantage because most folks are just going to be like, I want to keep my library of games and I like Sony. I already have a subscription to Sony. And then they just upgrade. The other thing too is, as I said, Microsoft just doesn't sell nearly as well uh, in the Asian market. I just think, as I've said very, very many times, and you're getting a clear picture of this, Microsoft isn't really concerned in a console sales war. They are, that's not what they're worried about. They want you in their service funnel. And that's why they're selling their console and being like, yeah, for 25 bucks a month, you can get this console. It's all digital. It's got great performance. It actually has a stronger CPU than the PlayStation 5. Um, and it comes with Ultimate Game Pass and EA Play. Uh, so you're getting all of that for $25 a month. A brand new console and all those things. That's what they want. They want you in their service funnel. Their, their marketing strategy is completely backing what I've been saying. Like, that's what their goal is. And long term, I think that's the bigger play. With xCloud playing anywhere, uh, you know, play with anyone, cross-play, all of that, I think they're in a better position to meet market demand over the next five to ten years because that's how people are going to think about gaming. People are going to start thinking less and less about gaming with respect to a box you plug into your television. That's We're shifting away from that, and I think Microsoft will be in a better position to ride that wave of change, and we'll have to see what Sony does to answer because if... If you're constantly thinking old school, like buy this really expensive box, plug it into my TV. If that's gaming to you, then we'll have to see if that if that mindset continues to shift and go down. And then if it shifts towards the Fortnite era of I need to be able to play on my phone with my friend on my Switch over here, over there. I need to be able to play anywhere. Xbox Game Pass and xCloud are in a position to really feed that and satisfy that demand and that could be a change that could be a change in the market as far as how many people are really starting to flood over uh, to the Game Pass uh, service funnel because if you think about it, a service funnel is really, really great for margins and profit. Selling hardware at a loss is not. <laughs> selling mar- selling hardware at a, at a loss is is a is a difficult uh, is a difficult thing to to look at and assess risk and make sure you're making your proper you know sales targets and hitting those margins and making sure your you know the equipment cost is low, which then can lead to fail rates and other problems. So it's like I, I, leaving leaving that as their main their main driver of competition. I think is really really smart. So, uh, next question. Ashen says, we've lost a lot of power in the past couple years in exchange for more utility perks and benefits minus damage boosting armor perks. Does Bungie just start dealing, dialing back enemy health? Yeah, here's the thing. We've talked about this. Like, I think one of the main problems is right now is that the minute you go into challenging content, it just feels like I, it's taking forever to kill the most basic enemies. And sometimes I wonder if that needs to go away and there needs to be more layers. Just add layers. I should be able to go into challenging content and still just mow down trash ads. That They, they don't need to be a pain point delivery. A pain point delivery could come in the, in, in the way of like two shields on a major uh mini bosses that can that can summon things like if you think about like in diablo when all of a sudden a mini boss shows up and he can empower the people around him or uh in minecraft dungeons i deal with that right all of a sudden there's these pillars coming up or oh this guy's getting healed and i gotta go kill like the mini boss well that that changes the flow of battle the trash ads are still getting hacked to bits but i've got this new 
pain point that I got to mitigate or these all of a sudden these trash ads are a lot more frustrating because the guy behind them is empowering them, shielding them, resurrecting them. You know what I mean? So sometimes I wonder if that's the route Bungie was trying to go with champions. It's like, it, it, it's, you, you, I should still be able to just hack my way through trash ads because there's so many of them. Put on an auto rifle. Who cares? It doesn't matter. You're just taking them out. Oh no, it's it's a guy that can uh, empower or resurrect these trash ads. I got to make some moves, navigate, snipe him, whatever. This is a new pain point. This is a layer of combat that wasn't there before. It, If it's just damage, if it's just health, I just think it gets boring, and I don't think that scales properly. I think you end up with trash ads that are a nuisance. You end up with rooms that are more frustrating than they should be. You're getting melted, you know, and certain weapon, weapon archetypes just fall off the face of the earth. You're not going to run an auto rifle in the challenging content. It takes too long to kill or even get the stun cycle going. All of a sudden, I'm shooting a captain, and I'm like, this sucks. He's just baking my face because I'm sitting here waiting for that stun. When with a hand cannon, I can go wham, wham, wham. He's stunned, you know? And I feel like I'm just damaging them faster. Rain the Dark. With all the supers revealed and them seemingly the main buying point, do you think so far that Beyond Light is worth the price point? I think so, but I can't speak for others. No. Absolutely not. No. Beyond Light is more expensive than Forsaken. It's more expensive than Shadowkeep. Why? If you don't tell me why, I can't be like, well, there's new supers. That That's not a good enough reason. I mean, that's concerning to me. If Bungie tries to come out and legitimize the increased price point by saying, oh, you get new supers. I'm like, oh, okay. We got Blade Barrage, Code of the Missile, and uh, the... Oh, I, I, I've been playing at Well of Radiance. We got all those in... When we get those? Forsaken? I, I don't know. Inflation? <laughs> I don't know. I think that we need to know more. I'm confident we are going to get enough. Let, let me rephrase this. Let me rephrase this. I'm confident we're going to get enough to warrant the price increase. increase. We're going to get enough to warrant the price increase. But right now, they've not shown me enough. I have no idea why it's more expensive. They haven't shown me anything. All we've seen is seasonal stuff. We've seen some seasonal stuff, some seasonal guns. We know nothing. (laughs) Baby Lono just spoke. Yeah, yeah. If they do a price increase, then it's... I'm not saying they have to come out and literally justify it, but it's like, I need to know, but like the day before Beyond Light hits, I should be able to say, guys, come on, it's clear we're getting more. The $10 increase makes sense. Right now, I can't do that. If you said, hey, Lono, make a video defending the price increase. I can't do that. I don't know anything. All I have now are, I have information about supers, aspects, and fragments. That's it. That's all I know. I don't know how big Europa is. I don't know about the seasonal content. I don't know how many guns they're adding. I don't know how many new loot chases they're adding. I know know nothing. So for me, I'm not saying that we won't get a a good amount of content. We won't get a, a $50 worth of content. I'm not saying that. I'm saying they've not told me enough yet for me to say that. 
I, if, I couldn't make the video, I guess is the best way to phrase it. If you asked me to make the video explaining why the price point's going up, I couldn't. I, don't, I wouldn't in good conscience be able to be like, oh, but we're getting stasis. That's, that's good enough. I, that's not enough. We don't know nearly enough. Listen, in Forsaken, we got Dreaming City. We got Tangled Shore. We got a pretty long campaign. All those barren fights. A lot of new, a lot of new, you know, guns and things were added to the game. We got a lot of stuff, and we got new supers, new attunements. Beyond Light's more expensive than Forsaken. Why? Oh well, Stasis has more depth to it. Oh, okay, but does that warrant a ten dollar price increase? To me, to me, if you're going to have a ten dollar price increase, that needs to be related to content. I don't look. <laughs> Oh, there's new perks on the guns. That's not content. I mean, it is, but it isn't. I want to have content loop, places to go, things to do, loot to pursue. Hey, Lono, could you make a video about why Beyond Light's more expensive? <laughs> we were. I was actually going to make a video about it, not saying why it's more expensive, but posing the question. It's 40, it's 10 with the season. Right, okay, so hear me out, hear me out. It's $50. When you spent forty for Beyond, uh, when you spent forty for Forsaken, Forsaken came with Season of the Outlaw just included. Does that make sense? Season of the Outlaw just came with Forsaken. So when you buy Beyond Light, you don't get the seasonal content. You got to spend an extra ten, so it's ten dollars more. They're slicing out the season. So. And it was 35 for Shadow Keep, and that was Shadow Keep with Season of Undying included. So it's $15 more than Shadow Keep. Shadow Keep included the season pass for the season, which you bought for no extra cost. Think about it like this. Let me phrase it another way. For $60, you got Shadow Keep, and then you got winter, spring, and summer season. So for 60 bucks, you got a year's worth of content, right? Beyond Light, with its season included, is only $10 less than that. So 60 bucks for a whole year, 50 for Beyond Light. I'm telling you, that to me is either, man, they really are delivering the goods, or I don't know. <laughs> I'm not saying they need to literally come out and have like a press conference and assign dollar amounts to everything we're getting. And because what really small is saying, one strike at launch scares me for a fifty dollar expansion. It makes me wonder what other content is coming. I, your inquiry, your quandary, I think is completely valid. Now, I think that's mu- some of that's related to the fact that Bungie's moved away from adding strikes because they end up in a strike playlist and their replay value is less tangible. I think to the consumer, I think they've enjo- they've they've wanted to do more with stuff like Sundial. I thought it was two strikes. Well, one's a returning though, Avenger. Y- Europa strike and then and then Sepix. I, I mean, okay, okay, so two, yeah, two strikes. Um. So y- y- Europa and Cosmodrome. You you would hope that Europa is so big that no one questions it. It's like Europa. If Europa is the size of like three planets, then no one will really question it. Especially if it's full of activities and things to do and loot to chase. That would be my hope. So, 
I agree with Benny. October's going to have a lot of content reveals. You're going to, you got to try, think about it this way. Think about it this way. You know how gamers are about price point, okay? Bungie hasn't put the price point on the forefront. You have to go looking for it, okay? You got to go looking for it. It's not on the forefront right now. They haven't really talked about it. You got to go looking, and so not a lot of people are talking about it. So when Bungie comes out and they say Beyond Light is $50, people are going to say, what the actual frick? It's $10 less than a, a brand new game? What am I getting? What am I getting? And I think that consumer response, Bungie has to anticipate that response of the consumer. Price point of expansions has always been a, po- a, a form of criticism. You know, $40? Twenty more bucks is a full game. Am I going to get close to a full game's worth of content? I mean, that was always a conversation that we had. I mean, we had that conversation at Taken King. We had that conversation at Forsaken. I feel like they are bringing stuff out of D one for that value add to justify the price. Although we just see it as returning. Well, I mean, hear me out. When I said Sepix doesn't really count, I mean, to be fair, it's going to feel like a brand new strike. I would think. I don't think that we can completely and utterly devalue anything returning. I think we can include the Cosmodrome and we can include Sepix in the value delivery, yes. But quantitatively, that doesn't feel a whole lot different than Forsaken. Two locations, Dreaming City, Tangled Shore. Two locations, Europa, Cosmodrome. And then two strikes. So... If... If you're going to spend the month of October convincing people to get Beyond Light at a $50 price point, then you it needs to just be haymaker after haymaker of of trailer and and just just bullet points of content so no one questions it. It needs to be it, it needs to feel like, "Oh wow, I am getting a ton of value. Cosmodrome is free." Yeah, Cosmodrome and Europa are both free. That's right. Aren't they just part of the... Uh, uh, patrol zones are just part of the free-to-play experience. Does the 50 include VOG? No. $50, you're going to play it for hundreds of hours. It's cheap. Well, Paul's gaming. Like, y- you you know, if you're familiar with my content, you know that I'm not sitting here saying that $50 is going to be a ripoff. I am talking about consumer perception here. You can't argue the consumer perception into submission. Like, you're going to play for lots of hours. This 50 is fine. Like, you're not going to do that. It's all about, wait a minute. What am I getting here? I, I'm fine, dude. Here's your 50. I know I'm going to have a blast. I know I'm going to be paying pennies on the hour for how many hours I get out of Beyond Light. I'm totally fine. It's all about the consumer perspe- per- per- perspective. That's what I'm saying. I- I'm not saying... Oh my gosh, this is going to be a ripoff. I, I don't think we're going to get enough. What I'm saying is Bungie has got to spend the month of October justifying the price point, not in like clear, like certain terms, but it needs to be very, very crystal clear to people why they're being asked to spend $50 for an expansion. Because it's so close to a new game price, you got to know people are going to bring that up. 50 bucks? What? Like, that's going to be dialogue. That will be a Reddit thread. That will be blogged about. By journalists, in quotations. Like, that's going to be a thing that gets talked about. Because it's... it's How many times... It, how, I, don't, I don't know how many games I've seen that have done a $50 expansion. I don't know how many times that's happened. Usually expansions are around 30 maybe 40 so we'll see we'll see uh they're independent now too 
Well, you uh, you got to be careful with that dialogue. You got to be real careful with that dialogue. If they come out, if they come out and say, "Oh, we're independent now. We need more money," that ain't gonna work. <laughs> that ain't gonna work, dude. You can't come out and say that. People are like, "What?" So because you don't have Big Daddy Activision now, I gotta pay more money. That's not gonna work. They're they'll uh they're they're not. <laughs> uh. It's 40 for the expansion, 50 for season pass included. No, 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 no. I know that Avenger. I know. Forsaken was 40 and Season of the Outlaw came included. They didn't splice it out at that time. Shadowkeep for 35 came with Undying. So if I want the expansion and the attached season, I have to spend 50. That's unprecedented. They've not done this pricing structure before. So it's the same cost as Forsaken, but Forsaken just had Season of the Outlaw included. We don't even know what Season of the Outlaw was. What was it? What came with Season of the Outlaw? I don't know. I got, I got no clue. They didn't even break it apart like that back then. You just got everything. Whoop! All the, all the stuff. Because it was Season of the Outlaw, Season of the Forge, Season of the Drifter, Season of Opulence. So, I don't know. That Iron Man shirt's one of my favorites. Oh yeah, I like this one. It kind of looks like an owl though. Like once you see it, you can't unsee it. It looks like an owl's face. And he's kind of shrugging. He's like, what? (laughs) Uh, You can't unsee that now. So I I just ruined the shirt for you. Um, It's 70 for the next year. Yeah, so it's a $10 increase, right? Because it was 60, right? It was 60 for, for last. 50 plus 10 plus 10 plus 10. What did you drink last night? <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> I hate you, Lono. <laughs> I gotta bust out the GoldenEye shirt. I don't know where it was. Were you guys here when I ruined the GoldenEye image? And I was like, look, his fingers and his mouth, it's one big goofy derpy smile and you can never unsee it. <laughs> You're in a mood today? Uh, I, I guess. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in a pistol shooting mood, I guess. I'll never see it the same way. Ruined. You were there, BMAC? <laughs> I love doing stuff like that. It's it's like, it's the most pure form of, it's the most pure form of a prank. Like, I'm pranking you, like I'm messing with you, but like, it's, I'm, it's not mean-spirited. <laughs> it's the purest way. It's so pure. So now every time you look at this shirt, you're going to see this like shrugged, hands up owl like huh instead of seeing iron man (laughs) instead of seeing iron man circuitry (laughs) it's just owl shrug um (laughs) i need the owl shirt right 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 now i have to remember what i couldn't unsee i nearly forgot about it (laughs) i told you that guy was a manipulative sociopath did you see what he did the other day you see what he did (laughs) <laughs> my man BMAC clicking the join button thank you for doing that sir enjoy the badge and the emotes and the, make sure you cash in on those perks in discord we're doing watch parties every night uh, we're working our way through stranger things breaking bad in the marvel cinematic universe so get in there as a tier 1 member or higher uh, get into the watch parties room 
Avenger with another question here goes looking at how the hunter aspect adds a new ability in general similar to Icarus Dash do you think that these aspects could be more influential to the core subclass than just simple modifications to existing abilities well we're gonna get all of them we know that okay the first question today was well what if it's RNG based okay alright settle down anyway anyway let's let's just fast forward you're gonna end up with all of them so I feel that they will be essentially tools in your toolbox to customize stasis to be and as you're saying it's influential so instead of you having a skill tree where you just go check the box for shatter dive it's it's an aspect now I think the reason this is a smart play is a handful of things number one they can bring this to the other subclasses they can they can augment and modify the other subclasses they don't have to reinvent them you're, you're still going to have you're still going to have your super your jump your your melee all of that and then these things come in and they augment you know what if there was uh, an augment for way of a thousand cuts that augmented your knife trick to be um, a spinning knife trick so you spin and you throw knives all around you. So you get kind of surrounded by enemies and you do it and you're like and like knives go everywhere. That's just one idea. Just wham, slam that aspect on way of a thousand cuts and now you got a whole new way of playing that isn't overpowered but fun. It's cool. It feels more like like that Diablo crowd control thing where you kind of like do a circular attack, you know. And if if they do that to the other subclasses, they'll feel new and fresh, and that's an easier way for them to update them. The other reason I think the system is so ingenious is all of a sudden they're like, hey, uh, for the summer season, we've thrown a couple new aspects and fragments in the game. Enjoy. And all of a sudden, you've got a new ability you can do. I, I don't know. All of a sudden, you have a backflip wall creation. You know evasive wall you throw down something and you backflip after you throw your grenade down and the wall is there and you've now kind of dodged so there i mean i'm just throwing out ideas off the top of my head i don't don't, if i if i'm saying something that sounds broken or overpowered that's the point is is that i'm not i'm not i'm not uh concerned if these become a central core because i see them as being intrinsically elastic there's like a flexibility here they can add no more aspects they can add more fragments they can take the system and I, I think in a lot more easy way uh, they can augment the other subclasses and bring them to life so they're more fun and they're more interesting instead of if they would have just been like yeah here's a giant skill tree for revenant and you can just check the box for um shatter dive well then they got to create a whole new subclass for way of a thousand cuts instead of way of a thousand cuts kind of retaining its identity and these things coming alongside and augmenting and modifying it's i gotta say it's a i think it's a brilliant move it really is they're working within the lane and the identity of the game and they're doing it in a way that's probably going to pay dividends of efficiency down the line as well as dividends of an innovation and, and and keeping things fresh Huge skill trees would be far better than aspects and fragments. I mean, that's your opinion. Yes, maybe that could have been better, but would it have been more challenging? Would it have been harder? Would it have made it harder for them to ever update them? Add something new? Make it fresh? Go to the other subclasses? 
I'm of the opinion that this system means in Witch Queen, they could throw a bunch of new aspects and fragments in, and all of a sudden there's new things I can do with my subclass. How do you do that with a giant skill tree? It's set it and forget it. It's it's there. It's like, you, you got them all now. There's a couple of different builds you can come up with, and then that's kind of it for, for forever. I could see them consistently updating this and tweaking this and adding, adding things to it, because I said it's, it's intrinsically more elastic than just some giant skill tree. I think giant skill trees could have been could could have been good um but like think about it this way if you if you end up with the same amount of options as a giant skill tree but it's done through aspects and fragments because zab saying it's, it's statistically objective you don't know that you don't know how many aspects and fragments there are you don't know how many combinations of builds there are you don't know that yet so you could still end up with in essence something that is a giant skill tree that you can mix and match and customize in your own way but it's got room for additions and 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 flexibility it it just feels i don't know it feels like such a smart play it feels truer to the foundation of D2 then just all of a sudden there we have these massive skill trees for stasis and then the other attunements just seem like a joke like what is all this um oh you're talking about switching to PC not the destiny stuff I'm sorry you said that after what somebody else said and I thought you were saying it's objectively like you know, there's, there's just statistics there. With aspects and fragments, there's the issue that instead of adding new subclasses in the expansion, they're just going to constantly add new aspects and fragments, and I fear we'll be stuck with Arc, Void, Solar, and Stasis. Oh, so you're worried we're not going to get dark subclasses in Witch Queen and Lightfall because of this. I mean... Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's possible. They could say, yeah, we don't need to do dark subclasses. We can just modify the other ones, and that's how we freshen things up every year. I still feel we're getting a dark subclass every every season, every every expansion. Because Stasis is tied to Europa. We're going to go to Europa and discover this power with the Stranger. And Luke Smith said every expansion will have a new, never-before-seen location. I believe each of these locations have a dark power that we're going to learn. That's why we're going to go to Europa and learn it. Witch Queen. We're going to go to an area we've never been there before. And I think Eris is going to walk in and be like, there's a power here we can harness. And then Lightfall, we're going to learn it from the Drifter or mix and match. I think Eris, it makes more sense for Eris to be tied to Witch Queen expansion. You know, then Lightfall, the Drifter's like, listen, there's another, you know, we're going to this new place, this new place that I found, and we're going to learn a third dark subclass. That leads to this moment that Luke Smith talked about. Lightfall is about us having three dark, three light, and we, and I think we're going to break our connection to the Traveler and become a, a guardian of power. I believe we're going to go through an actual name change. We will no longer be guardians of light. We will be guardians of power. We will see ourselves as a force rather than something tethered to the light and we'll learn to harness the light without a connection to the traveler because we're already seeing they're dropping orbs of power in, in the game because we're because you can't get an orb of light to power stasis you need an orb of power I believe we as soon as we learn stasis it's the beginning of our transformation and a metamorphosis into a guardian of power no longer a guardian of light which is what lightfall is all about I think that's what the name Lightfall is referring to. So, 
I still think, I get your concern, but I still think it just makes sense. It's like, if it's always a never-before-seen location, I think it all, each of those locations has a, has a dark power associated with it, the way that Europa is bringing stasis. So, little little lore, you know, prediction for the next couple of years toss out here at the end of Q&A. Um, if you want to join these live... Uh, you can do that by going to say no to rage.com and come to the YouTube channel, hit subscribe, hit the bell button. Uh, you can also click the join button, become a paying member, get emotes, perks in the discord, all these other things. So thank you to the people that are doing that. We'll transition here a little bit to VIP Collins. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, as always, please like share and subscribe. Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the VIP call-in session that followed my talk about the Hunter Revenant subclass info that we got from Bungie for Destiny 2 Beyond Light. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching the uh, past broadcast on YouTube, you can always catch me live at SayNoToRage.com. Be sure to click the subscribe and the bell button. That helps me out. If you want to join and become a paying member and be part of either Q&A or VIP sessions, click the join button and that'll allow you to pick from those tiers. You could also use uh, Patreon if you'd prefer. SNTRpresents.com will take you there. So we're going to kick things off with Finding Chemo because I know yesterday we we actually didn't do VIP call-in session and there were some people that wanted to call in specifically about the need for anti-cheat in the, in the world's first raid race. So we, we may end up talking about that in this episode and that's totally fine. VIP call-ins are a lot more flexible. It's not like Q&A. It doesn't need to necessarily stay on point. So what, uh, what did you want to talk about, Chemo, with respect to that from yesterday and the conversation about you know the potential need for anti-cheat in the world's first raid race and you know we've gotten some news about what they might be doing in beyond light so go ahead yeah uh my main problem with it was the uh um at the end of the video that uh what was it righty put out uh-huh uh the cheater was talking about how they were going to be able to uh run through walls and stuff um actually be able to uh no clip out of the out of out of bounds mm-hmm, mm-hmm. be able to get through things, stuff faster um do you think that'll be like something they can actually check for or uh is that something that the they won't be able to check out because i know people could still normally just glitch out of bounds uh without hacks and things like that yeah it'll be interesting because obviously the main question i had was is there going to be a possibility for any form of a vetting process did they res themselves did they create a uh, heavy ammo um, going out of bounds won't do much for them, I don't think. When I think of every raid, you won't just be able to, like, skip to the end, you know, and even at Shiro Chi, if you could, like, go out of bounds and go all the way up to the top and, I guess, wait for her, you'd get wiped if you didn't do the mechanics. Um, and maybe they've thought about that. You know, maybe they're gonna have an intrinsic... Most fights do have some form of an intrinsic wiping mechanic that you need to satisfy and obviously if they can res themselves and they can um generate heavy ammo the the main question is you know will they be able to solve and execute the mechanics and then that's the end of the matter because most boss fights if you solve and do the mechanics and then you get to a dps phase and you're able to do more dps than you're supposed to that's where things will break down that's usually the 
I feel like that's usually the wall people hit. They figure out the mechanics, but they just they can't get good dips, and they end up losing to Enrage, or they they end up having to do three phases, and then they 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 lose it in the third phase because it's you know it's a test of endurance. Um, so you know if they're watching streams and they know what to do with the mechanics and they figure them out, like I, I, Morgath is a good example. You know, you just figure out the mechanics, get to a damage phase in Morgath, and just melt him. Um, I, I know that some people are saying that, you know, cheaters are never really good at the game, so they're going to be bad anyway, but, um, you know, there's also a good, a good piece of feedback in chat right now, you know, going out of bounds is how people cheese the bridge in Crota, so that's actually rather useful, right? But that was after the, the totality of that environment was figured out. So I don't know if initially you're going to be able to like go into a room and be like, well, if I go out of bounds, I'll be able to do X, Y, Z. Like if you don't have the totality of the encounter known, all you know is we're supposed to do plate stand, build bridge, plate stand, build bridge. If that's all the information you have day one, you're not going to know, oh, but if we do this and go out of bounds, it'll make the enemies despawn. Like that took months for people to figure out. So I don't know. I mean, obviously that could be a thing. If they can fly and go out of bounds, they could potentially make enemies despawn. Maybe I don't know. Cause the game will think they're, they're not there. It could really g- confuse the game. But then of course, Bungie would look at the report and be like, they didn't kill anybody or the first encounter. They, they killed one enemy that they, they would know that something was up if they could run a report. Um, the dude in the video was saying he'd be able to instant melt the boss as soon as damage as possible. And then just go through walls to the next boss. Right, like the in-betweens and the jumping puzzles, those tend to slow people up as well. Um, you know, you get kind of stuck in a rut because your buddy keeps, you know, falling or you keep falling or you get lost. Golgoroth maze was kind of fun for that. Uh, I actually think the Golgoroth maze was one of the cooler things they did. You, know, you just go in, there's these pits to fall in and there's a secret, you know, there's a secret chest. Um, I thought that was one of the coolest things they did. I always forget about that. Everybody remembers the Pistons room, but the Golgoroth maze is actually a pretty cool environment. Um, so uh, if it sounds to me like these cheaters are going to swing really hard okay and if they're going to swing really really hard I feel like they're going to get caught Bungie's going to be like there's no way you know this team did 3 million damage a piece on the first fight they're cheating boom disqualified I feel like it'd be really obvious because they can see everything you do. The kill screen shows it. When you end an encounter, the kill screen says, here's how much damage you did. So if Bungie can run a report and say, do a damage check on every encounter, you know, um, do a checkpoint check. Did they actually go through the jumping puzzles or did they did they go out of bounds? Um, so the vetting process might take longer than usual. I think usually what they do is, is they double and triple check that the timestamps are right, that team A did it before team B, and then they announce team A. Like, that's essentially all they're doing. The vetting process might take longer. They'll say, hey, we're getting reports of some teams that have finished it. We're going to vet their completions and check their damage numbers. Um, I don't know. I feel like if you've got four teams that beat it and you look at all their damage reports, you know, how much damage they do to the, to the, to the encounters and the bosses, the cheating teams are going to stand out like a freaking sore thumb. Like, I don't know. I feel like maybe we're blowing this out of proportion with concern because Bungie's going to be able to see literally everything that the team has done and be like, no, nah, this team, this team cheated. And then they're just going to ban you. Like, how stupid could you be? You're basically throwing yourself in to a pool of players that's, that's smaller than Trials. 
and you're going to essentially ask Bungie to vet your performance and then you're going to get banned if they find that you were cheating um, it's not about cheaters winning that's not going to happen it's cheaters getting paid to feed info to legit teams through third party chats I, I again am just like what the frick advantage is that going to give you if I had a team of people feeding me information, as soon as we beat the encounter or encounter and, and do something with the mechanics, that info spreads like wildfire. So the only way, I guess, what you're saying is, is that they're going to have to feed it to another cha- another team who's not streaming, and then that team has to beat it legit. Just because. So what you're talking about is a team learning the mechanics of a fight before all of the streaming teams and getting ahead and beating the next encounter, like. You could have told teams day one of Last Wish exactly what they needed to do for for Riven, and they still would have failed ten times over. Like it was so hard. Um, it would force Bungie to actually get anti cheat if it ruins their world's first race. That's terrible press. Well, and that's just it. They're not going to give it any press. They're not going to give it any press. They're only going to announce a team that they know with absolute certainty did not cheat. There'll be no press about it whatsoever. Now, obviously, if they just immediately announce a team like, yeah, congratulations, thus and so team, and they don't vet it, and then everybody starts looking at the numbers later, and they're like, this team clearly cheated. Their, 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 time, their time per encounter was wrong. Their reses was wrong. Everything was wrong. Um, if someone cheated through Vault and shared that to a team, no one else would understand even if they were streaming. Yeah, but even still, even still, Kaiser, if if somebody brute forces with cheats to a vault, you do understand they have to figure vault out. Cheating doesn't tell you what to do. Vault's confusing as frick. If you if you if you're the first team to vault because you cheated, vault's gonna be a gut check. Like I don't know what to do, man. I don't know. What, I don't know. I don't understand. We can spawn heavy and respawn ourselves, but we don't know what's going on. It literally wipes you. <laughs> it wipes you if you don't do it right. So if they figured it out and if they relay that information to another team, then the other team again would have to execute on those mechanics. Cheating gives you the time to figure it out. I mean, that yeah, sure, because then they would have been able to burn through Shurochi and burn through Morgath and burn through Kali. All of those encounters are fairly straightforward. Sure, like Kali, Morgeth, and Shiro Chi are pretty straightforward, and they would have been just demolishing the bosses with damage and just you know skating on. You'd also have to have an entire communications system set up. Because if they're busy raiding and busy figuring things out, they can't take the time to like type up a report to this other team. Somebody else would have to do that. Who's gonna do that? So one person in the team of six is going to have to basically be like the correspondent? I don't know. The cheaters know they won't get worlds first. It's not about it's not about getting caught, it's about sending a message they know they won't ca- they know it won't count. It's all about sending a message like Greg said. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. So we're imagining a team that's really, really good teaming up with a bunch of cheaters to get fed info and hoping that gives them an edge. And they, they won't stream. Like, I would imagine that they won't stream it because they won't want their information to get, to get, to, to be leaked. If you're feeding the information to a streamer, as soon as they execute on the mechanics, everybody's going to know what to do. It's just, oh, just straight up cheating. 
Oh, you're saying it's about sending a message to Bungie? Can't you privately stream and the cheating team could be streaming to the legit team? That's possible too. They could set up some private stream somewhere and unlisted and no one knows where to find it. The message is, congrats Bungie, not even a large PvE event is safe from cheating. Just to spoil it. A team finisher first didn't count. It's about sending a message. Hackers know they won't be world's first for hacking, but they know stuff we won't. The message is Bungie won't do anything and we can cheat and nothing happens, even in in a world's first race. Yeah, I guess that's true. Right? And I guess it's also true that they can like stream it through Discord and then the other team can be like, okay, this is what they did. Let's do it. And then they're just flying ahead and then you could literally have a watcher in the Discord who's just like watching what they're doing, taking notes, and then the team gets to encounter number two and all the notes are waiting for them. I suppose that's 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 a possibility. Um, even if they know stuff we don't, should that bother us? Well, certainly, because it calls into question everything, Necro. Listen, if some no-name team skates through this raid and they're not streaming and they just manage to just skate through it and beat it and Bungie runs a report and they're like, they didn't cheat... They didn't spawn heavy. They didn't respawn themselves. They didn't. They didn't have infinite supers. They just somehow skated through the raid. It will be a little suspect. It'll be like, well, somebody was probably cheating and feeding them info so they could beat it legit, but they did it with all this prior knowledge. I, I, that's the problem. Is it's like, how could you possibly know if it's legit or not? They can still stream. They can fake encounter a few times and get the encounter while hackers are feeding them info and it looks horrible on Bungie. World world uh, versus two, two, uh, two factor is coming to PC. A no-name team won Garden Salvation Day 1. It wasn't exactly a no-name team. It, they were lesser known, but they were streaming. It wasn't like Carolina Gamer in there and some other people. They were, they were, they were known. They're not like they're not like the top of the directory but at least they're known streamers and persons I think um no what were they then crown of sorrow I can't remember they were literally nobodies so the garden oh so the garden team was oh I'm thinking of crown of sorrow crown of sorrow was like Carolina Gamer and some of those other people I think um, because it was the first time contest modifier was active, was um was Crown of Sorrow, and that was the first time suddenly like one of the non lead teams won. Um, okay, that's what it was. Yeah, Crown was like esoteric in those people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. So Garden was lesser knowns. I mean, Eater of Worlds was an LFG team. That's hilarious. Uh. This is this is why this is why I don't want to put a, a tinfoil hat on everybody's heads, but I think it's just going to conveniently be a stream a streaming team that wins, like an obviously legitimate team that streaming will win the the, the Europa raid race. I think it's going to be like a everyone's always going to be like that was very convenient. <laughs> I'm not trying to put a tinfoil hat on your head, but I think this is a nightmare if it goes wrong for them. And I, I don't know. I it it uh, it's it certainly it certainly could uh, could.
could just mysteriously go very well for some people. I don't know. Um, I they're gonna have to be super super careful if they're if they try if they try to nudge anybody to the front because it'll be super easy to detect that. If you're watching a team streaming in front of thousands and thousands of people, it would be almost impossible to not give it away um, if they nudged anybody at all. Um, I think that's the biggest dilemma is that a cheating team feeding information to a non-streaming team um, could, you know, how do you detect that? There is not a way to detect that. And so I think that's why they really, 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 really are going to want a streaming team to win. Um, Anyone who's cheap and watches other people shouldn't get it. I hate that. Just figure it out yourself. Yeah, but we're all in that hive mind, though, Jay Stubbles. It works both ways. Um, If you figure out Encounter 3 and a bunch of people get to do Encounter 3 without any experimentation, okay, cool, but then they may get ahead of you and then they figure out encounter four and then you benefit from that as well. I, I believe it's a, it's a two-way street that has a semblance of harmony to it. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I have a hard time trusting people in the industry anymore because I know what people do behind the scenes. And so I'm just kind of like, They've got a real vested interest in a visible streaming team winning here. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's like, uh, they may, you know, you would hope that you would hope that nothing nefarious happens on either end of the spectrum. Um, so. You need to submit a demo of your whole run. I, I don't know about that. I really don't. You know, that's asking a lot. (laughs) That's asking a lot. Audio included to voice chat. I mean, now you want Bungie to basically be like true detective and they got to go back and watch a 12 hour raid completion and listen to 12 hours of audio and video like they're what what it was this law and order. There's no way there's absolutely no way they're going to they're going to ask people to do that. The only thing I think that they could do is require you to sign up ahead of time if you want to be in contention for World's First Race. And that would maybe at least scare some people into doing things on the up and up. Like, you're not going to be considered unless you go through this registration process. And, you know, if we find anything, anything suspicious about your, you know, your run, then we'll investigate it. I don't know. I... It, it, uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where this goes. I, I don't think it can get, I, I think the interview, unfortunately, the interview has set a, set up a dialogue where no matter who wins, there's always going to be people that hate the winning team that are going to claim, oh, I bet you they got inside information. Yeah, look, they got to this encounter and they just magically figured it out. You're going to have people to do that no matter what. Even if the raid, even if the raid team that wins is completely on the up and up and stumbled into some some luck, that happens, right? You're like, what if we do this? And then it just works, you know. So, did you have anything else you wanted to say, uh, Kimo, before I move on? Doesn't look like it oh you left and came back i'm sorry go ahead yeah you there 
Yeah, it muted you because you left and came back. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. My, my internet cut out, so I had to go into my uh, uh, data. No, it's okay. Um, you know, I don't really have anything else to add to that, really. That was my only primary concern was the uh, uh, walking through walls and going out of bounds and stuff. But yeah, I, I, I yeah. completely agree about the... Like, I think it's just solely, no matter what, it's that video everyone's just gonna look at it and be like even if it's a legit team mm -hmm. be like they could have gotten inside information yep i don't know there just has to be what how who they announce yeah yeah we'll have to wait and see we'll have to wait and see uh appreciate you calling in though and uh yeah. Thanks for sorry about me. sorry about yesterday not doing the no, vip no, it's, all good. it's all good yeah all right, I'm gonna move on to Light Leap, uh, sir. What would you like to talk about? Ah, uh, well, I would like to talk about the anti cheat and Bungie. Okay, but uh, I don't think I can figure out a way how to do this family friendly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, oh, no, no, seriously, um, I think that what I wanted to say also to people thinking that only bad players cheat. If, if you play trials long enough you know that's not true yeah there have been streamers caught I mean, I mean you know how toxic the game can be and how toxic the pvp community can be so there's tons of people that want to keep up and and toggle or or find a way to to give themselves the edge to pretend they're like one of the top percent players um so i have no doubt that um but especially young people who like who think also want to maybe get the world's first title, they'll be tempted to find a way, like we discussed earlier, with Discord or feeding information from from cheaters um, to to be one of the teams that beats the raid. But um, but seriously, I would like to speak about. I think that I don't know. Like yesterday, you said you know Bungie. We shouldn't say Bungie doesn't care. So I'm just wondering, what would you describe this? I mean, it's 2020. We we have a peer-to-peer -peer game. They they advertise basically a whole season around the flagship PvP mode that just gets trashed because of cheaters, and is now basically non-existent again. And I mean, I understand they're a business, so yeah. But shouldn't this be more embarrassing? Shouldn't we say like, yeah, look, you guys don't care, and you're releasing a basically in 2020 you're releasing a trash product when it comes to pvp when it comes to gaming and uh, yeah i mean if you cared if they cared um they would do something about it and they i mean i'm not, not saying like i know that there's difficulties but they would like really step on the gas with this so what else yeah. what would you say if, if, if what else can we say if, if to say that they don't they don't really care and i, I think that's actually the truth i think that uh, they look at, um, they don't care that much about the integrity of their product to actually, you know, take a big risk or actually fix it out of integrity's sake. They know that even if they fix this, people still will go into trials, will still somehow survive, especially if they they have some more people going in. But, I mean, they've been living with DDoSing on console for so long. I don't know, like, what else is there left to say except to say to Bungie, yeah, you just, like, you don't care that your product is trash when it comes to this aspect. Yeah, I, I think the the where the way I was trying to square it yesterday was that I I have to, I have to imagine the people that work on Crucible and Trials 
they do care. I wouldn't think you'd pour your time and energy into trials and crucible and all that and be like, yeah, it's fine that people are cheating. What I what I worry is is that the problem is so big that what they can allot to it is not enough. So it's not that they're not trying to help. They, you know, they increase the number of people on staff that literally handle this and look at it. They have their, you know, their monthly talks and conference calls with Steam. They're trying to work with Steam. Apparently, they're going to be adding two-factor um, with Beyond Light, and we know that really helped with Call of Duty, but Call of Duty still has its issues. So I think if you look across the gamut of games that struggle with this, and you look at what they're doing, and they still have, the, they still struggle with it. I mean, Fall Guys, there was an article about Fall Guys. They had such a problem with cheating. They're, they're tapping... Uh, you know, Epic and Fortnite to get to like basically we're gonna try and use what they use for a goofy little bean game, and they're having to do, they're having to do a significant uh, amount of more than likely work, and I would even say money being spent uh, in order to to mitigate cheating. Can you explain how two factor would help? Well, what you're really trying to do most of the time with cheating is you're trying to keep out the low hanging fruit. The kids, you know, Johnny credit card, the, the, the people that are going to have a hard time getting another phone number two, three, four, and five times. Like it's getting, I, I don't think they're going to just be able to keep some of these people. Sure. They'll just go grab another Google number, but I would think eventually that would become a harder and harder process to go through. Like how many phone numbers are you going to go through before Google's like, wait a minute, you can't just keep getting more phone numbers. I, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying that that's going to be enough, but I know they said that it helped Call of Duty. They said they saw a massive reduction in cheating uh, reports after they put in two-factor because once someone gets bopped, they can't just jump right back in. They have more hoops to jump through. So yes, people would continue to cheat. You would still run into cheaters. But again, they saw a, a significant reduction in the cheating reports after they pushed out two-factor. Two-factor is sort of like a nice capstone to go to anti-cheat. It's not anti-cheat in and of itself. Um... So I don't think it's going to be enough. It's going to be, again, this is reactive. You catch them, you review it, you ban them, and now they have more hoops to jump through to get back. You know, burner phone unlimited. Again, low-hanging fruit. Most people that are cheating are going to go to those limits only so many times. Getting another burner phone, getting another email, getting another phone number. The more steps you add in between, and and then, and consider this, consider this the selling of accounts gets a lot harder as well because now you got to start because you got to start from scratch you got to jump through all those hoops create a brand new account and start over right now what a lot of people are doing is literally just buying another account well two-factor makes the selling of accounts again more complicated they have more steps to go through more potential snags of i can only get so many phone numbers um with how much money they make do you think they're going to give that up well, no, again, go back to my original statement here. The goal is to get out the, the low-hanging fruit. Yes, they're the people that literally, this is a business. There is an economy of cheating at play here where they make so much money, you're not going to stop them. You know, you're not going to keep them from jumping back in. And if they do, Steam two-factor doesn't require a phone number. Well, then that's worthless. <laughs> you, yeah, exactly. Freaking, you can create as many emails as your dadgum, please. Um, yeah, not even emails. You can just, you, you need the, you can, the app, 
and you can just log in and log back out of the app all the time, like as many accounts as you want. What? The two-factor, there's like multiple ways in Steam. You can do text message, you can do email, and you can also use the app for a two-factor code. And, oh, uh, you the can app on your phone. Yeah. Two factor will be it, it's not gonna have the same effect as as it had for Call of Duty. Yeah, because Call of Duty it was a phone number. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I heard at least. No, and I saw a couple articles where they said they saw like a sixty percent reduction in, in cheating reports because a lot of the low hanging fruit kids couldn't. Mom, can I use your phone? Like, eventually, you're, they're going to run out of phone numbers, and their parents will be like, "What are you doing?" Um, and it'll that'll be the end of it. I, I guess that's true. If Steam, if Steam doesn't require a phone number, then it's just <laughs> it ain't going to matter. But okay, so let's let's come back from the rabbit trail of two factor, and let's just talk about do they care. I think they care. I don't think they're apathetic. Like, yeah, who gives a crap if people cheat? It's a matter of how much resources, how much time can we throw at this before it becomes a wasted effort? If all these other games are doing everything they can to mitigate cheating and they're still dealing with it, what hope do we have? That's not the central tenet of Destiny. That's not our central identity. We cannot afford a disproportionate amount of focus, energy, and time to, to, to face this head on. And the result? Still cheaters. Right? Like, there's still cheaters in these games that do everything they can. Valorant, Fortnite, Apex, Call of Duty, they like they're still that's all they do. It's just a PvP game. And they still can't keep the cheaters out 100% of the time. It's not locked tight. Um and so I I don't know. It's like I'm trying to think of a good analogy with like a restaurant, you know what I mean? It's like if I have open air seating, I'm going to do everything I can to minimize the amount of bugs that are in the area. But eventually you just have to say, look, I I, like there's going to be some bugs sometimes that fly in because it's open air seating. I can't literally waste thousands of dollars in time. Like I'm not going to I'm not going to hire staff to walk around and take care of these bugs. That's way too expensive to pay somebody hourly to get rid of two or three, you know, flies. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like it's 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 going to be happening no matter what. And I don't think they're like throwing their hands up and saying, "Who gives a crap?" I think they're saying, "This is a conceivable amount of time, resources and manpower we can throw at this, and we can't throw anything more than this. It just it just won't work. We can't." Uh, so to, to start from the beginning like obviously there's devs who go and get their salary paycheck and they care to make the crucible as as good as they can in their in their work hours but i mean if you go to complain to a company right I'm, like you talk about the general direction of the company and i think that i mean do they is the question i mean your three showed that even they didn't even put the proper time in in the thing they advertised which was trials and now i mean what do we get i mean the twab as we said as i thought already back then when the twab was released everybody was like saying oh yeah that was so nice it was so transparent but they just said they planned something that's redacted which is probably the 2fa and then they said like they have meetings with steam to optimize their their vac because apparently it has some kind of integration but we know these things aren't getting caught and we know they implemented something small apparently the respawn cheat doesn't work anymore or something like that it like boots you to orbit or something it causes it causes you to it causes you to error code i think right but at some point we we have to just say bungie failed at this and i i I don't know like i I feel like there's too much goodwill when it comes to the community especially now after year three um and too much of this idea that that you know 
well, the, the, the devs, they care. I mean, the, the product is really, really bad when it comes to standards of 2020. When And and yeah, we can say it's, it's primarily a PvE game. I, I don't care like how it's perceived. Uh, like they advertise it specifically as both. So they have to have some minimum standard of it. I, so I also I wonder... It's less of a question and more of a like, I want to vent at using your call-in, so I hope that's okay. No, that's totally fine. VIP call-ins are meant to be more dialogue-driven, not question-driven. Um, so I also think that there's a, there's a piece of the puzzle we haven't talked about, and that is most of their player base doesn't play on PC, and there's really nice, awesome new consoles on the horizon. So there's a mathematical equation here. If 70% of their audience never feels a whiff of this, then then why would they dedicate tons of man-hours and time for like hear me out here it's just the pc pvp community that's really upset by this like and with love in my heart there's not enough of you like there especially with new consoles on the horizon way more of the community is on the playstation so that's another pos- that's another problem of prioritization it's like going back to the restaurant analogy if only two of my tables are out in the open air and the rest of my tables are inside the restaurant I'm not going to dedicate tons of time and man hours worrying about the dining experience of those two tables they're not my bread and butter they're not the majority of my customers the majority of my customers are inside the, the restaurant safe from the bug so it's like this is another problem is that so many more people play this game on console that Truly, the trials numbers going down is related to cheating on PC, but it's also related to really bad reward structure. So if they can get that right and they can rebound and have good player funnel full, you know, in trials, you know, especially if they land adept weapons in the winter season, then if you're wanting to play Destiny player versus player on your PC, you're just, I, I don't know. That's why I wish you luck said in his tweet, like the best thing to do is just to play console if you want to avoid cheaters. Now, obviously DDoSing, is is, is going to rise on console if more people vacate there um, because more and more people are going to be like well th- th- there's that's the place to go and we'll just go d- we'll, we'll just go DDoS there um, this weekend PC had more trials players than Xbox well okay but Xbox but again most of the communities on PlayStation 4 so I, I, again I don't and that's one number, right? Okay, so what you you're consistently having more play, people playing on PC than Xbox? Sure, Wait. I'm zooming out on the on the whole trajectory of Destiny and the community trends. PC's just I'm, I worry PC Crucible community isn't big enough. I mean, but that sounds like you're you're explaining like I, I have the feeling we're sitting inside Bungie. I have, like sometimes this community, I'm actually happy to be out of it a little bit because it sometimes feels like. They are, we're shifting spots here. Like we're we're not sitting at like the business development meeting at Bungie. I don't need to have a business degree in business administration and know the uh, market analysis of the distribution of uh, D two players where they go. No, they they have a product and they price it the same way across all platforms. And PC is safely to say is exactly a third of the other two platforms. And there have have to be some minimum uh, standards met. And I have the like. I know this is like this is just me whining here and being a Karen about it, but I, I have the feeling like this, this it needs to shift a, lit, a little bit away of this. Oh yeah, I can understand why why they do this. It's not like 
you know, we're just such a small part of the population and PvP doesn't play anything. Just look at it from a pure consumer perspective. You get the, you get like all their marketing material and especially Season of War really was advertised as a PvP season, right? Trials was coming back. They call it a staple of like end game all the time. It's mentioned as the end game, and PC is priced the same way as every as as other platforms. So I, I as a consumer cannot then listen to Bungie saying like, yeah, listen, you know, you chose to play on PC, you know the problems on it. No, I don't. Like, come on, like step it up at least. And I understand there will always be cheaters, but so far beyond this twab, and if Beyond Light is like two FA. There's nothing coming. There's not even that they say, okay, we have like five people working on this constantly. Here's the update on it. No, they they have a bug report and every TWAP, they, they can't even have like something substantial to give us every now and then. Because I, honestly, I feel like, as I said, I, I I would like this conversation by 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 streamers like you and a lot to be shifted. I know that mm -hmm. the community is like very much in like in bed with Bungie, so to say, right? They... They are afraid to say something against them. That's why I cherish Wish You Luck so much. I think that the way they he's calling them out is, is correct. Like the, the the cuddling has to stop. Like they they really messed this up, and I I I think it's legitimate to say console or PC that they have to put a priority on this. It can't be that I buy a product and then I am unable to actually play it fully because um, they don't think that. There's particular problems with their the way their network networking and their game is set up, right? And I, you know, people are saying, you know, what that's a garbage thing to say to your community. That's a terrible thing to say. I'm not saying that that's what their that's their communication. I'm just looking at it from a business perspective. Understand, I'm the guy that's put them on blast for anti-cheat every time it's come up. Their communication about anti-cheat has been terrible. I think they've hijacked the word and they don't have a true anti-cheat. The, the, the way that the word anti-cheat has been used in the gaming community, I feel like the way they've handled the narrative and the dialogue about anti-cheat has been horrible. And I have basically said in 2020, if your game is free to play and you have player versus player, an installed front-facing anti-cheat is a non-negotiable. I've said all those things. But what I'm also but what I'm also saying is there's only so much they're going to allot to this. It's not a front burner issue. You don't have to pay a dime to play Crucible. You don't have to pay a dime to play uh, the player versus player side of the game. Wasn't Trials free to play for all? I mean, you didn't even have yeah, the, yeah. It, it, is, it is, yeah. Yeah, so they're considering they're considering putting a paywall there, and I, I mean, I think that might be again the economy of cheating is a big problem here. There are people that literally make money cheating, so that paywall is is probably not going to stop them. So all I'm saying is they they are not going to turn the company upside down to fund and and throw resources and man hours at this. They're just not going to because even if they did a front facing anti cheat. Even games that have front-facing anti-cheat, cheaters still get through. They still figure it out. They still—it's a constant. It's—it's it's like it's like when you're taking on water in Sea of Thieves. If you don't patch the boat, you're just literally dumping water out, and the same amount of water's coming in is how it feels sometimes. So, I, you know, I, 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 I understand that. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just, um, I understand that, but. Honestly, at this point, I just want them to hurt as much as it hurts me. You know, when I get my trials card ruined by a cheater, I at least want to know if I have this front-facing anti-cheat, 
or that Mudgy is spending, like that there is this painful number in their balance sheet that hurts them every month because, you know, because of cheaters. So I just wanted to hurt equally, <laughs> I guess. And I think that, right, they, they, there needs to be something that that they understand that this is that this is an issue. And I have the feeling they don't, they have consistently ignored it, even when streamers constantly talk about it, right? Um, except for the TWAB, we now hear nothing again. And I think um, at least, yeah. Um, and the free-to-play issue, man, I need to drop a call so we can talk about it. I, I would really like to talk, was free-to-play a mistake? Because that is now, I feel like that's being used now to say that the, the I only pay for part of the content, which I mean is technically true, but is it really? Because you still want the full experience of the game, right? You wouldn't, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you wouldn't just take the stuff that you pay for. You want the free stuff as well, right? Right. I don't want to act like it's a justification that they can ignore Crucible and cheating because the game is free. It's more of a catch twenty two situation. If they try to monetize Crucible, <clears throat> if they try to monetize Crucible, plenty of games have learned that that doesn't work. Three four three, Respawn, Call of Duty, all these games have learned you can't monetize PvP. It doesn't work. You lo you you fragment your player base. And it has drastic ramifications on matchmaking times and and player experiences. So, it's catch twenty two. You you either you either monetize it and fragment and cause all these other problems, or you don't monetize your crucible, your player versus player uh, experience, and it it ends up causing issues. Uh, only Warzone is free. I thought they said what they added things that it was free. Was it wasn't there a report that said that they were doing the same thing with maps that they weren't going to monetize the maps? I'm not saying they don't monetize the PvP. I'm saying they don't monetize the expansion. So when Trials gets an update or Trials has new armor or Iron Banner gets an update or Iron Banner gets new armor, they're not going to charge you for that. I have consistently said what they should do is make Crucible free, but then paying members get the cool new loot and you don't. You can play. You get access, but you don't get the rewards. So they can at least start making some money off of the Crucible side of the game because I don't, you know, there's probably a significant portion of people who never spend a dime. They they just boot up and go in and, and do the shooties. So I there's so many things at play here that I would love for Beyond Light to land with two-factor and a front-facing anti-cheat so that it becomes significantly harder to cheat. And yes, people are still going to do it, and they're still going to make money, and they're still going to be in there. But as long as there's a strong, like, front-facing effort from Bungie, I'll at least be happy with that. If all they do is two-factor, that's what Wish is saying, if all they do is two-factor... That's not enough. I mean, that'll make a dent. That'll slow it down a little bit. That'll that'll get rid of some of the kids that don't want to fiddle around with getting another email or another phone number because like their parents are going to wonder why they have so many emails set up or why they're getting so many phone numbers. Like that would obviously be the only the only like type of player that would really get slowed down by if the two factor doesn't require a phone number, it's just not going to be enough. If it requires a phone number, I think it'll help a little bit. And I think it'll actually be noticeable because I think a lot of people will get snagged by that. They're going to be like, oh my gosh, I, 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 don't, I can't just keep getting phone numbers. But the, 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 the economy of cheating, the fact that you, 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 get, you get tons and tons of, of money uh, as, as a cheater, I just, you know, that, that's, a, that's, that's, that's a huge, huge element here. How, how much can you, you motivate or demotivate or de-incentivize cheating or stop cheating when people are literally making thousands of dollars doing it? You could, I mean, you could sue the, the cheating company. I don't understand why they don't do that. I'm, 
that was what company didn't activision just threaten the biggest cheat maker for call of duty they didn't even threaten with a lawsuit and they shut yeah. down yeah like, some, some like companies, that yeah. would at least show that okay they feel the pain just as we do you know what i mean and this twab and the lack of communication and if really i mean you know my opinion i'm i'm very wary of beyond light so if they're holding back on the information because they're gonna come out and be like yeah it's 2fa then <laughs> i'm losing hope i mean but that, that that's it for me so okay. thank you for letting me be a karen <laughs> no, I I think the frustration with cheating is 100% understandable. I I barely touch Crucible and I feel like I've been pretty I've been pretty hard on them. Um I feel like I've been equally hard on them too even when I was on Twitch and here when it comes up, I'm like this is just unacceptable. But then I also try to be reasonable with respect to like I don't think they're they're going to turn this into a full-scale alarm we have to throw everything we have at this like there's going to be a limit on how much they throw at this that's the point i was trying to make today not that i'm not holding them to account and saying they've completely bumbled it from here to now like i i mainly took them to task for their that that twab about anti-cheat was horrible it's like you're not allowed to use the term anti-cheat if it's back-end reactive like that's not anti-cheat um you know, and I feel like I've been I've been equally pretty hard on them, and so that'll be I'll I'll maintain that message if two factor is as thoughtless as we're we're thinking that it might be, come beyond light. So, all right, well, thanks. All right, have thanks a good for, one. Yeah, you too. Thanks for calling in. All right, I'm coming to you, Avenger. We're just gonna go down the line. It's you, and then it's Rexus. What do you got for me? Yeah, so uh, I'm gonna be. I'm going to be dipping into what was talked about today um, about everything. And uh, the biggest thing that I've concerned that I posted it in the question about how the there's going to be new abilities added, you know, something similar to Icarus Dash and how they're going to be affected. And you said, you know, we get them all. And I find that all good. But the biggest concern that I have moving forward is that we already are in the situation where I, I think one of my co-hosts with you, we were going through exotics and naming all of them that were useless or had a very niche, niche use. And if we're coming up with these aspects, we already are in a bad state for exotic armors. And to me, having these things being so integral and something that could be an exotic armor piece in this sense, I feel like is going to hinder the creativity that we have moving forward with exotics. And unless unless they have some secret pocket of exotic creativity that they're hiding from us for some unknown reason right now the lack of creativity with exotics and the lack of just ideas and cool aspects that they could add to these armor pieces are just not being implemented and maybe maybe that's just you know the seasonal model and they don't want to put out their you know throw out their ace during the season and they want to save it for big content releases but for me having aspects be another core concept to the class to me is a very weird thing when we already are in a bad state with exotic armor pieces yeah i'm looking at this from two different ways like right now because you have exotic pieces that are so strong and so amazing it's really hard to ever unseat them and then a lot of the other ones get overshadowed. Oh, what does this one give you? An extra melee charge? That's an extra grenade charge? That's it? And then you have others that are 
you know, generating more super energy for you and and giving you uh, you you get you get an overshield from getting a kill, you know, with the, with the one-eyed mask. And I don't know. I feel like when I look at exotics right now, that's one of the problems. Is it's not like a capstone piece to your build. It's a, it's a defining piece to your build. Orpheus rigs. Uh, would be another one, Phoenix Protocol. These are things that become so defining that you, it, the other ones have a hard time really getting a, a foot in the door. So, keeping that in our minds, aspects and fragments could be, you know, giving Bungie the ability to start to allow exotics to take on a different role in the game, in that it is a complementary and unique piece not something that is subclass defining. Thank you, John Williams, for uh, resubbing as a paying member. Welcome back, dude. Two months. Um, I love all your music. Anyway, the, <laughs> the, you see what I'm saying? Like right now, how do you up unseat these subclass defining, you know, exotics? The ones that you throw on, and you're like, well, this is the one that you run with this super like this is just the one to run you this is this is in pve you're gonna run what phoenix in a well you're gonna run i would think maybe um what's the other one nezerax if you're running void and then if you run arc you're probably gonna run transversives or geomag uh, now obviously if you're in crucible you'd run arc and like the crown of tempest or whatever it's called that i know that's like a good pvp build um but then you know 70 of the exotics just never you're never really going to consider them um, for for certain things, you know, for for the hunter, it's like it's worm husk, it's celestial, and it's uh, Raiden flux. Those are kind of the three you go to because it just it defines just it's defining. It's just like this is what the super does now. Uh, celestial is probably one of the best examples of this. If I'm going into PVE end game content and I'm going to run a solar subclass for whatever reason, because maybe I don't want tether, I'm just going to run celestial. I'm not going to run Ophidius Faith, even though I like it, or Shards. I'm not going to run any of those. Now, obviously, Shards shows up in Blind Well and, like, you know, Gambit third round, but those are those are really, really uh, specific encounters and specific situations. So, if they do this, and if your instinct is correct that aspects and fragments start to eat away at what, a, what you know, what exotics can do, then exotics would be more like unique complementary builds. Like, imagine, you know, this one that I'm doing for Revenant. This, this this build that I'm already imagining doing, where I would run the Whisper of Hedrons, and I get weapon damage after freezing, and then I'm going to run the other one we saw in the Warlock, where if I destroy frozen enemies with weapons, I get super energy. It's going to give me great super uptime. Well, I'm going to try and find an exotic that capstones with that. There's probably going to be an exotic related to stasis that might go well with it. There might be, uh, you know, I might run... I'll keep running the uh, what's it called um, the the worm husk because I can I can I can dodge near enemies and, and freeze them and then shoot them and so that would again be another form of feeding uh, feeding the build and that's that's how I view it I don't know if if they don't do this if they would have just went with a giant skill tree that didn't start to eat into the power of exotics then my question would be where can exotics truly go some of them are so amazing you're just you're never going to unseat them you you, you i guess you're going to create exotic armor power creep maybe outside of that it's just going to be another exotic that most of us ignore 
what were the new exotics this season? I don't even think I paid any attention to them. Except, I mean, there was the one for the Titan that was pretty cool, but I think a lot of the exotics this season, with respect to exotic armor, I feel like they got ignored because what was it? Well, there was Bombardiers, and then I can't even remember the one. What landed? No this exotic season? armor. There was no exotic armor this season. We didn't oh, that's any. right. There weren't any. There weren't any. Um, well, let's go back then. Bombardiers. What? When in the frick am I ever going to put that on? And then Raiju's Harness, which is you can deactivate and Whirlwind Guard early. Guarding does not consume extra super energy. See, that feels super specific. And I think that would maybe pair better with imagine if that subclass had aspects and fragments. Do you see? Like, you could create a build where it would make sense that you're activating and deactivating the Whirlwind Guard because of whatever it is these aspects and fragments bring to the game. Suddenly, that becomes a viable exotic in PvE when right now, who in their right mind is going to run that? You're just not going to. That exotic is amazing in certain circumstances, but you're just you're never going to put that on in endgame PvE. It doesn't, it doesn't have any legs. It doesn't have any purpose. If you're in an arc environment, you're just going to run Raiden Flux because of what it brings to your uh, your super's damage output and longevity. Again, so many of the exotics when they as soon as it's tied to your super, it wins. Uh, Celestial, Raiden Flux, uh, Phoenix Phoenix Protocol, uh, even even Helma Saint fourteen, um, Ursa Furiosa. Whenever well, I don't know if Ursa's still good. I know for a while it was pretty good. Um, if it's tied to your super, it's 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 so so hard to put it down because of what it what it brings to the table. Am I gonna run? Am I am I gonna run? Um, you know, Fell Winters. Arc Solar and Void Melee kills create a burst of energy that weakens nearby enemies. Finishers and kills against more powerful enemies increase the radius of the burst and the length of the weakening effect. Again, I don't know. That doesn't sound like something I would ever use in the endgame. It feels like I've got to play aggressive and go up and get melee kills and finishers to make that work. That's going to fall right out of my right out of my build when I go into the endgame. Um, so... I think you're right, but I think it can work and it can actually maybe make some of the lesser used exotics actually have purpose because it'll complement a really good build that presently they don't really have a place to land. I think when you're outlining the exotics that are so specific to the subclass, and I think this is more towards, you know, implementing this across all of the other subclasses. It matters on if the aspects that are, if they do this, if they put it on all subclasses, if they put out aspects that are specific to these subclasses stacking something with celestial stacking something with these super affecting uh exotics the reason why these exotics are so strong also very restricting in a sense is okay if i'm in pve i have to use celestial because it's the best one but i can't use any other exotic armor piece while doing this so Mm -hmm. you're risking your survivability i mean obviously it's not an issue because of the difficulty of the game but if you know difficulty gets ramped up, you're going to be risking your survivability because you can't use something like Wormhusk or Invisibility or something like that. Because it's it's got some kind of pool. I mean, not really in the sandbox right now, but on paper, you know, there's some kind of pool there. Stacking something on top of Celestial that's already something so strong, to me, just doesn't sound like a good combo. On top of okay, well. You're getting two mediocre perks, you know, your mediocre exotic with a mediocre um, aspect, and then you put them together and they turn out good. That's great. That's great building. But that means exotics have to be mediocre, and that means 
that aspects have to be mediocre. They can't be too strong. One can't be too strong. One can't be too weak. Because if you do that, that's an imbalance between the two. And then it just dilutes the pool of how strong these things can be. I But I think you're looking through the wrong end of the telescope. I, I, I hear everything you just said, and I'm like, that creates build diversity. Because I'm not going to get automatically funneled to super powerful things. I'm creating my own build that when I'm done is powerful. As opposed to, it's like when you're building a Lego set, right? And there's those Lego sets that come with a giant piece that's not really a Lego piece. And it creates like the big giant shoulder or the side of the van or whatever it is you're making. It's like, well, that's literally one big giant piece. Piece that defines the entire thing you're building this sounds more like a bunch of individually sized lego pieces that i put together and then when i'm done it looks how i want and it's still powerful my net power is still good but i'm the one that got us there you see it as diluting i see it as creating more diversity so that hey yeah sure somebody just brought up bombardiers might be really really good because you're gonna dodge freeze and then maybe the explosion destroys and shatters i mean i didn't even think about that what if there's a build an aspect or a fragment that whenever you explode you know frozen enemies with explosives you get increased dodge energy or increased you know class energy or whatever so you turn into this just mayhem dodging crazy person you're dodging freezing and leaving this wake of explosion that could be really really fun and again the net there is that you're powerful but you built it you're the one that came up with it um because i as soon as i saw that one where i get bonus weapon damage after freezing enemies i immediately came up with an idea of okay cool i could do that my weapon's stronger i just froze a bunch of enemies i'm going to destroy them with my weapon there was the other aspect i'm sorry fragment there was the other fragment that gave me bonus super energy from shooting frozen enemies and destroying them and i don't know i'm looking at this from another perspective and i i hope i end up being right i there's a possibility that you end up being right that it feels super diluted and it feels like none of this stuff ends up netting a strength it just all feels like you're making as you said they have to be within a lane because your aspects and fragments have to be within a lane and so do your exotics or it turns out it, it ends up being too powerful i think you're right but i think that leads to more build options because right now when you look at exotics what do you have you have 70 percent of them are pretty basic they're pretty mundane and then you have the standouts and the standouts are the only ones that get used and i think that's a problem the opposite the opposite of that is a system where you have all these different options that could be strong and viable when properly paired with other things and that I think creates more of a sense of pride in your build and more of a sense of this is how I like to play and I can build myself toward that what if you don't like sitting on your super and waiting to pop celestial till the very end but you know that's like the best viable choice in certain environments you know tether's not really helpful and you know you're not going to use your arcs staff so you're like well it just makes sense to run celestial but if your play style doesn't really jive with celestial it's just kind of like boring just sitting on your super and waiting to go bam one time some people love it i do i I love it i love i love celestial especially when i know i can one bang the you know the the nightmare bosses by stacking all the buffs that's really really fun um but outside of that, I, I just I wonder if if you look at how exotics are right now, we're on a pathway to getting rid of that idea that if you're gonna run this in this environment, this is the exotic you use every time. It's like a predetermined. It's like someone wrote the narrative script for you, and you're just coming through and saying the lines. If that makes sense. Yeah, and I can see I can see from your side as well. Like I think this is kind of just we have to wait and see how it lands and how uh, if they are going to implement this to further you know, the already existing subclasses, 
how that's going to land as well. I think this is kind of like, I'm looking at more of, I think, of in a pessimistic way and you're looking more of an optimistic way, um, which there's nothing wrong with. I think we just have different views on that. Um, the other thing, you know, for me, I would have wanted this system. I think the aspect system is a genius idea. I think this idea is genius. And honestly, I wish that this system would have landed and exotic armor wouldn't exist. I love the design of a lot of exotic armors. Scrap exotic armors and just go straight into the system. I want that at least because I feel mm -hmm. like this system is more fleshed out. It gives that opportunity to give more build creativity and more build dynamic um, and not just solely focused on an armor piece. And I, I feel like the aspect system and the um, fragment system, I think, is more fleshed out than any exotic armor piece system that we've ever gotten. Yeah, and that's I, that's why I'm like, we were, I was having a bit of a back and forth, I think it was with Darksider earlier, and I said that I think this system offers layers of benefit because they can do this to the other subclasses. And what Unholy just said in the Discord, I think is exactly right. With the new system, it'll work. It, it'll possibly open up the opportunity to work with less used exotics to make better builds, um, like, this, like the Bombardier's idea we just had. And my, my hope is that they do trickle this out to the other subclasses and they can add aspects and fragments in a given season or expansion to breathe new life into a subclass that maybe you had been ignoring. Uh, I mean, I think a perfect example is Skull of the Dire Ahamkara, which, yes, it was OP and it was broken, but I had not been using Slova because, well, just made sense for virtually every PvE environment, and all of a sudden, what happened? Boom! They dropped some cool ability, and I'm running Slova everywhere, right? Now, I've, it was broken. Still, the idea, the spirit of that is what I mean, where all of a sudden, a subclass takes on a new a new look and a new feel because of even something as simple as Shatter Dive, a new ability you've never done before could bring, bring you know, some of those subclasses to life. And also then have really good complementary exotics to go with them that have sat on the dust, you know, on the dusty shelf for a long, long time. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited for the system. I'm just looking at it in a system in all of the systems that we already have because when you're implementing things, when you're implementing that's so core to the game, like this this customization is going to be core to I think um, Beyond Light itself. And I think the way it interacts with the currently existing systems is something that a lot of people will overlook. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how it plays uh, when implemented in the game. Yeah, I agree. That's all I got, Sam. So. All right, man. Thanks for calling in. I'm coming down to you, Rexus. Last, certainly not least. And uh, don't worry about the time. We're at about an hour, so we can go for we can go for about 15 minutes. What do you got for me? I oh, don't worry. I've I've been the least least here. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I got to <clears throat> I got to give some uh was like uh I got to give some uh perspective to uh, Avenger here though regarding the exotic armor because <clears throat> exotic armor has their uh identity so do you really want to take that away because I have to say some of the most awesome looking armor that you can still implement well into other armor sets are exotic pieces at least on hunter there are so many that look really awesome and what would you do with those you would at least have to uh change them into 
I'd say, uh, universal ornaments, but that would kind of defeat the purpose and... And you would have the PvP players who would say, no, 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 you should not be not be supposed to be able to glam over exotic armor. No, 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 ex you must see what exotic someone is using. Wait, so are you saying, what, what exactly are, you, are we arguing for here? That we should be able to transmog exotic armor? No, 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 that we should not, that um, exotic armor should not be taken out of the game and put into the, uh, oh, what was it called? The, oh, uh, oh, the, the aspects system. in the the aspects in the fragments. Yeah. Oh, see, I think what I I, I think what um, Avengers' concern was is that if you continue to put stuff like this into uh, into aspects and fragments, it's going to overshadow a lot of exotics or uh. or unseat a lot of them. Um, I think he's concerned they're going to be. Uh, it would be a limiting concept, right? So a limiting concept would be that they're going to add these things in and they of necessity are going to limit how good exotics can be in the future. I think was part of his concern was that they, as he said, they'll have to be kind of more mundane because if not, you're going to have absolutely broken builds. And that was when I said, I feel like that's actually going to create more build diversity rather than blandness or a diluted, you know, sense of power. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. The new system, I still don't fully grasp it. I think I will properly grasp it when I finally have it in my hands. Is it, is it, how, how much... I think balancing will there be mm -hmm. an important issue. How, mu how much... Like, how many of those can you have active at once and which ones maybe cost more to have active? As we still have with the mods already. I I think after it's all said and done, you're going to be able to take every aspect and fragment and represent... <laughs> Excuse me. You're going to be able to represent it as a skill tree. I think you're going to be able to do it. Because if you think about it, the way that it works is you pick your two aspects and then that dictates how many fragments are available. Okay? And because of that, it's it's still a skill tree. You know, it's like picture like a skill tree that goes from the top to the bottom. So you pick stasis. Okay. And then you have all the fragments that all, I'm sorry, all the aspects to choose from aspects come first. Cause a, I, that's how I'm remembering, right? Aspects come first and you can only pick two. You can only pick two. And so when you pick those two, it, it opens up a certain number of bubbles underneath that can then be selected. It gives you like, you know, a four or five. That's all this system is if you really think about it. It's it's a skill tree, but they're not they're not it's not a traditional check these bubbles skill tree. After it's all said and done, it's essentially a skill tree where you pick your first two and your first two determine what you can pick next. It's the same idea as a skill tree. They're just dressing it up and making it look different. Why? Because this system can get laid over top of existing attunements, enhance and augment them. It's not just this brand new from scratch skill tree. So I, I guarantee you, once we see it all, somebody's going to be able to make a graphical representation of this and show it is essentially a skill tree because everything funnels through the aspects first. You have to pick your aspects first. That, right, that determines how many fragment slots you have, and then you just pick the number of fragments that you want because if 
more than likely, really, really strong aspects are going to limit how many fragments you can have because they're going to say this, this, this aspect is really strong. It's only going to give you so many, so many fragment slots. Weaker aspects are going to give you more fragment slots as a trade. You know, you're trading one for the other. And so I, I, I think this system gives them flexibility to update the, the original subclasses as well as dropping in uh, new fragments and aspects down the road to make things feel fresh. That would... That, yeah, that would... That should work. If you do it that way. That, that could end up even pretty balanced if you don't give... Uh, if some... Uh, uh, fra- uh, aspects don't have as many fragments as others. That way you can balance it probably pretty well. Yeah, because I mean, as an, as an example, Shatter Dive only gives you two. It only adds two fragment slots. More than likely, that's because Shatter Dive is an ability. It's not just like an enhancing thing. So if we, if we go back to Bungie... Oh, here we go. Perfect. We go to Titan Behemoth... And we go to the shade binder. So the behemoth, when they looked at his his aspect, his aspect gives two as well. It gives two fragment slots. When you shatter a stasis, it creates a stasis shard, and that grants melee energy uh, to you and your allies when picked up. And then the uh, the warlock one, it had one that gave th- just one. So for whatever reason, they've determined that frost pulse is only going to add one fragment i don't know why casting your rift generates a shockwave that freezes nearby combatants so my hope would be that means that frost pulse is pretty big like it's a pretty big shockwave because if it's only giving me one fragment slot that that tends to communicate to me that's got to be a pretty strong aspect that's they're considering that stronger than shatter dive i mean because shatter dive is literally you landing on the ground and shattering frozen enemies maybe shatter dive is is only worth using if it's if you're doing it to frozen enemies and so because it's contingent they've thought yeah we can give you two fragment slots and then I, you know, the tectonic harvest, you're going to have to pick up these crystals to get melee energy. That's, you know, that's not, in, in for whatever reason, in their mind, casting your rift, generating a shockwave that freezes nearby combatants, for whatever reason, in their mind, that's so strong, it's only going to give you one more fragment slot. So, that's how they're going to keep things in balance. It's almost like the point system in Call of Duty where you're going to you, you if you equip something that's so strong, it limits how many points you have left. Same idea here. You equip Frost Pulse instead of some other aspects, it limits how many fragment slots you have down here, and so you can only do f- right now you can see he had 3, so he has this aspect equipped and he has 3. He equips Frost Pulse and it adds one more and you scroll down to the next image and now he has four slots and that's it. So that's where the mixing and the matching and the pain comes in. It's like, well, I really like this Rift Shock Wave, but it lowers my fragment slots. I got to choose which fragment I no longer get to use. I think those are the types of decisions that are more meaningful because it's up to you. What do you what are you prioritizing and then what are you willing to sacrifice to get it? I think that kind of building gets more satisfying because if you think that shockwave is dope you got to be willing to give something up for it because you might be switching down from a five fragment slot to a four fragment slot and that's significant if you're losing something like this like whisper of bonds you know what's interesting 
they're both Whisper. You notice that? Whisper of Hedrons, Whisper of Bonds, the two that I said go together, they both have the word Whisper in them. I wonder if that's intentional. Defeating frozen targets with weapons grants you super energy, and you gain bonus weapon damage after you freeze something. Whisper of Hedrons and Whisper of Bonds. I don't know. It's like they're trying to tell you to pair them together. Wait, wait, one of the, is one of those, did I just see that right? Is one of those uh, hundred, one of them is Titan. Oh, they're all Whisper. Well, fragments are not specific to the class. They all say Whisper. Whisper of Durance. So maybe there's themes. Maybe these are all Whisper. Maybe they all come from one place. That's why they all say Whisper. Yeah, I wanted to say that. But they might be from similar objects. Well, and this one says, Slow from your abilities lasts longer. For those abilities that linger, their duration will also increase. Maybe that helps. If you run that with a stasis grenade they're more likely to be frozen by the stasis because it said the longer they're in stasis, the more likely they are to freeze. So you could do that, increase duration of slow, more likely to be frozen, then once they're frozen, your gun gets a damage boost from Whisper of Hedrons, then you're getting super energy by using your weapon against those frozen enemies. See what I'm saying? There's a lot of, I just think there's a lot of, um, we've only seen a couple of things and I'm already thinking of different ways they could complement each other and and make you have like a really, really, um, a really, really fun build and builds that could be enhanced and deepened every season. Think about how they do that in other games. Like, welcome to the new season. There's these new builds. There's these new abilities, this new stuff. You're like, oh, dope. But you have to put something else away to use it. They drop some awesome fragment or some awesome aspects. Boom, disrupts your whole build. But if if it's worth it, if it's cool, you're going to be willing to do it. That's true. You're right, there already is quite a bit of synergy that we see here. Mm-hmm. Like the multiples. It's not just... I'm wondering where the... Uh... I'm wondering where the exotics will go. Like, wh- what kind of exotics we'll get with already that big a synergy tree. Right. Because like, I'm, if Because I, we should ahead. get new exotics, right? I would think... <laughs> I think some of the leaks have said a bunch of exotics are coming. That tends to be the truth uh, with expansions. That's not a surprise. Yeah. And, or rather, uh, or rather, um, ah, but, um, <coughs> exotic specific to, uh, uh, to, uh, ah, stasis. I'm sorry. I, I'll get used to, I'll get used to it once I use it more. <laughs> yeah, I think there's going to be exotic specific to stasis. I mean, I'm already thinking of a warlock running frost pulse with a rift you run that you run a nice little smg so you're constantly freezing nearby enemies with your rift and then your gun gets stronger from whisper of hedrons and then your gun gets stronger uh, gets more super energy by shooting those frozen enemies with whisper of bonds so you're constantly if you're doing it right you're using that melee that projectile melee freezes the stasis grenade can can freeze you're freezing everything your weapons are constantly then buffed because of that, because of Whisper of Hedrons, and you're just mowing them down and constantly keeping that super uptime. I mean, it's, I don't know. I, I think, I think this is already giving you know a, a glimpse into how you're not just going right now. What you do is is you pick an exotic and a super, and you do the same thing every freaking time. Pop the well, pop the well, pop the well. Right? This is more about no. You've crafted a build, and it only works if you play in this way. If I'm constantly freezing and using my gun and keeping that uptime and keeping those buffs, you know, working in harmony, 
now it's not just oh you're picking celestial i don't play any different i just wait and hit and, and super the boss's face that's it it doesn't do anything to my play style at all i run with the same weapons and generally do the same thing and this stasis is giving us a glimpse into how you'll actually play and your combat choices will be different according to your build and that to me is exciting because right now mostly our supers are relegated to oh it's time for the boss it's time for the boss bubble sign for the boss tether celestial you know what i'm saying it's relegated to one oh, yeah. small slice of the combat honestly i'm i'm almost a little worried though that in uh, high end content that uh, i'm almost a little worried that it might not get useful enough if it can like it's 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 a lot more mechanical like stasis is a lot more mechanical and her has has openings for a lot more fun builds than uh, our other subclasses currently, but I'm a little worried in endgame if if can this versatility make up the DPS or not? Like, I, I very much hope so. For me personally, mm-hmm. most likely, mm-hmm. because versatility is a lot more interesting to me than pure DPS, but for endgame things... Well, we need more fights that aren't about pure DPS. I mean, if you read the end of the blog post for The Hunter, it says stasis is more about slow and control. It's not about brute force and damage. Well, hopefully then that means you're going to create more content that's more about slow and control and not about brute force and damage. Because if they create more boss fights that are purely about brute force and damage, stasis will fall off. It'll. It, it's just, it's like the... It's like the seesaw game in Fall Guys. It's just going to tilt too steep and stasis is just going to fall off and no one's going to use it. Um, you know, I... It, the and somebody just said I said that build with putting your rift down and using an SMG. They're like, yeah, and get a and get an SOG, SMG with demolitionist on it to keep your grenade uptime for more freezing. Do you see? Do you see? If you can get a good synergy and a harmony between your weapons, your weapon perks, your fragments, your aspects, all of it, this is this is a better future for Destiny customization and build crafting that I think will really make it more fun to chase a god roll or to chase uh, a stat a stat buff because you know if, if you get a good stat roll on your armor it's also feeding into this it's all starting to be uh, interwoven with each other and like I said I felt like we were getting glimpses of that with what we did with the supreme nightmare mods and demo and oppressive darkness you were you were going for a gun and a gun perk and an armor perk and a build and a, and a, and a, and a combat strategy that led to efficiency in the master nightmare hunts i always said that was a glimpse into where things could go and i think we're really really seeing that 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 bloom into a greater picture with some of the stuff we're already seeing with stasis so yeah that's they really just need to nail the encounters then. Yeah. So they don't just need like, all right, it's damage phase. Now bring a lot of DPS and then all all back to the start again. Right. And Unholy yes. Taco is right. Like even if bosses are still damage heavy, you still maybe have one of the teammates on well, but the rest of us might be running stasis because it's really helpful with... If stasis becomes god tier for ad control and majors and, and, and mobs... You, that's that's a problem a lot of times in rage. You just get overwhelmed. It, it it it'll have something to get go up against though because tether is that is very much tether's speciality as well. So yes, it'll have to be strong. Yes, but think about this. I've got melees, grenades, and and abilities that can freeze. That, that's that's tr- 
All you have is tether. You have smoke. Yeah, true. You have true. smoke. But tether's smoke. just a super. <laughs> Stasis is going to be like you're going to be like a force on the battlefield of slowing and freezing. You know. That's true. Scrap. I forgot about that. Something that bothers me about tether is your melee is pretty much useless unless you go bottom tree. Yeah. <clears throat> like you immediately just. You remember that. Oh, remember during Guardian games, you're you're a hunter and you get the you get the <laughs> yeah. and you you get you, they, they tell you like okay, but here's the bounty: get melee kills with your void ability. Like, I, you you literally had to I, hit him with the smoke what? the smoke bomb. You had to whittle him down and hit him with the smoke bomb. It was so like, stupid. Really? Yeah, it was really dumb. I was like, I, I, I took that thing once and then I said. No, screw it. No, no, I'm not doing that. No. Top three smoke has this advantage in PvP. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's definitely true that some subclasses are very clearly, you know, bent more towards PvP. That is true. But my point was, Tether is great. I think Tether will easily get unseated by Stasis because Stasis is seeming like something you're going to be able to maintain with uptime. I, I feel like we're going to be just constantly freezing enemies. You're just, you're going to feel like a god of ice. And I'm excited about that. Yeah. I think that's, that's where I'm landing on this is this seems like stasis is all about building yourself into uptime so one is feeding the other freeze shatter freeze shatter freeze shatter freeze shatter free, and you're just rolling through and then they're in a position to say we're gonna put friggin' enemies everywhere it's gonna be nuts that would we, be nice because currently we've already seen we clip we've already seen clips of enemies everywhere go ahead uh, we, we don't have a lot of that yet like the, the most intricate regarding feeding one to the other so far, build that I could make was uh, just all guns with demolitionist and uh, shinobus. Then you just grenade. You you shoot some enemies. You grenade. Then you keep shooting. Don't mm-hmm. reload and just grenade again. Then shoot again. Then grenade again. And sometimes punch someone in the face. <laughs> yeah. If they get too close. Good. Well, the the, that's the, the, the most cults... intricate we've got so far. The cold snap grenade can freeze up to three people, so you could throw cold snap and shoot them all, and that gives you increased damage because they both been, they've been frozen. That also gives you super energy. Then you pop your rift, freeze some more, shoot them with your increased damage gun, get more super energy, then pop your super. And your super, you freeze everything and don't pop, you don't shatter them. You just freeze, you come out of your super, and since you just froze everybody, you got the increased damage. So you shoot them all with your gun and feed that super energy right back to yourself. I don't know how much you could get, but again... Uh, the idea is, it's just everything sounds. It's, it, it seems like it's about uptime. You're keeping everything up, 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 up. Grenade, melee, rift, super, freeze, shatter, freeze, shatter, freeze, shatter. That's what it feels like. It's gonna be that you're you're steamrolling through content as a force of ice. Uh, of, I'm sorry, as a force of stasis, and it's less about everything's compartmentalized right now. Shoot with your guns. Throw your grenade, pop your super because the boss is here. It's it's junk. It's it's nothing's interwoven or interrelated. This is creating an interrelated system between freezing and your abilities and your guns. Like it's they're they're creating uh, like lines between the two where one benefits the other. Right now, what oppressive darkness? That's about it. You throw op. I'm sorry, you, you throw Oppressive Darkness OD, and then your gun does more damage, but so does everything else. Like, everything's very compartmentalized right now. It's like when we talk about raid encounters. Satisfy mechanics, d- damage. Satisfy mechanics, damage. And what have I always said? Interweave them. 
where mechanics and damage are interwoven so it doesn't feel so so sharp and that's what this feels like you're interweaving my build with my weapons and my weapon perks and that has me excited that's i agree i agree i, I just i really hope they have uh i, I really hope that the the new subclasses are an indication of what the new content is going to be like because they will have to fit together otherwise stasis might fall especially in endgame just behind again and i definitely don't want that that would be sad yeah <clears throat> all right we're at we're at we, we i said yep. i give you 15 i, I gave you 20 yeah oh. that's plenty <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> no 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 i was getting amped up too this was good i appreciate it it's it's just, yeah, this time it was you <laughs> yeah it was my fault you got me excited it's all it's, it's your fault yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Gritter. We're at an hour. No we're at an hour twenty, Gritter. Hey, well, hang on. I- I'm gonna go to Gritter really quickly. All right, Gritter. I hope your mic's working. Please, please let your mic be working. Do you got something quick? You, you, you could talk right now if you want. I unmuted you. Mm, nothing, nothing coming out, brother. Hang on. You just deaf. He just deafened. No. Mm-mm, no. Nothing nothing I think you always don't you have to leave and come back you might be one of the people that has to leave and come back I'll try and vamp uh <laughs> I know he was saying he wanted to call in earlier today so I was going to give him a I was going to give him a shot here I was going to give him like 5 minutes I got 10 minutes before I go to go to repeat theaters so you're 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 putting me up against a wall here um yeah, I'm gonna have to call it. I'll have to call it, brother. I'm sorry. If you guys are listening on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, I really appreciate all the support. If you ever want to come in and take part of these live, say no to rage.com. I'll bring you to the YouTube channel. You can click join and become a VIP if you think calling in would be dope. Or if you just want to submit written questions, you can become a tier one member. As always, the easiest and free thing to do is to click subscribe and the bell button. And as always, please like, share, and subscribe.